the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I got to tell you what, Russ, I do not know if I could serve in today's military. Not with the rules of engagement that they have now, not with the way that the military conducts itself. At time. And I'm not talking about the people in it. I'm, I'm talking about all the stupid rules and the, uh, the lefties and the stupid liberals that have gotten involved in it and uh, have literally destroyed, or I guess that's too broad of a brush, getting ready to make it very difficult for military men and women to do their jobs. And a perfect example of this is this whole, now if you want to talk about a witch hunt, I got a witch hunt for you. You know, the president's always talking about what's going on with him as a witch hunt. Uh, this major Matthew Goldstein, this is a witch hunt. This started back in 2010, and it just continues to go on. The president now has gotten involved in this. Um, so let me let me just bring you up on this. You may not know that, that much about it. I, I mentioned this Friday that I was going to talk about this today. I think it's that serious that you, we've got to sit down and talk to us uh, about this. And if you're a former or if you're a vet, now, look, you need to hear this. After eight years, two investigations, and the intervention of a congressman, Major Matthew Goldstein is being charged with murder in the death of an Afghan man during a 2010 deployment. Goldstein's commander, quote, has determined that sufficient evidence exists to warrant the preferral of charges against him. That's according to U.S. Army Special Operations Command spokesman, Lieutenant Colonel Lauren Beimer, and he was telling this to, and I'm reporting this from, the Army Times. Major Goldstein is being charged with the murder of an Afghan male during his 2010 deployment to Afghanistan. That's according to Beimer. The major's attorney, Philip Stackhouse, told the Army Times that he and his client learned of the charges Thursday, we learned about them Friday, uh, and that the murder charge carries with it the possibility of a death penalty. Not not the majority, uh, you know, thought, but it's there. I mean, I wouldn't want to be charged with something and have any chance of any kind of being put to death having any uh, kind of movement in the case that I was involved in. Stackhouse called his client a, quote, humble servant leader who served uh, saved countless lives, both in uh, American and Afghan, and has been recognized repeatedly for his valorous actions, unquote. Beimer confirmed that Goldstein has been recalled to active duty and is under the command of the USASOC headquarters company, an intermediary commander will review the warrant of preferred charges 
to determine if the major will face an Article 32 hearing that could lead to a court-martial. That commander has 120 days to make that decision. Goldstein had been placed on voluntary excess leave and administrative status for soldiers pending lengthy administrative proceedings, Beimer said. He is not being confined at this time. The path to these charges has been a winding one. So let's look into the story. Goldstein, a captain at the time, was deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 with the 3rd Special Forces Group. Okay, that means he was a Green Beret. Uh, During the intense battle of Marja, explosives planted on a booby-trapped door killed two Marines and wounded three others who were working with the Major's unit. During those heated days, Goldstein earned a Silver Star, the nation's third highest award for valor, when he helped track down a sniper targeting his troops, assisted a wounded Afghan soldier, and helped coordinate multiple airstrikes. He would be awarded that medal at a 2011 ceremony at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The award was later approved for an upgrade to the Distinguished Service Cross, which is the second highest award for valor. But both the medal and his coveted Special Forces tab would be stripped from him due to an investigation that eventually closed in 2014 without any charges. An Army Board of Inquiry recommended a general discharge for Goldstein and found no clear evidence the soldier violated the rules of engagement while deployed in 2010. This would have allowed Goldstein to retain most of his retirement benefits under a recommended general discharge under honorable conditions. Though he was clear, cleared of a law of armed conflict violation, the board found Goldstein's conduct as unbecoming an officer. So what did he do? Well, Goldstein was out of special forces in an illegal limbo as he awaited a discharge. That could have been the end of it, but in mid-2015, Army documents surfaced showing that Goldstein allegedly told CIA interviewers during a polygraph test that he had killed an alleged Afghan bomb maker and later conspired with others to destroy the body. Those documents were part of a 2011 report filed by an Army investigator, Special Agent Zachary Jackson, who reported that Goldstein said after the Marines were killed in the February blast. Now, remember, you got to go back to the beginning of the story I was reading here, Russ. There's two Marines killed, several others injured and wounded when a booby-trapped door by the Taliban exploded, killed two men that were under his command and wounded several others. His unit found bomb-making materials nearby, detained the suspected bomb-maker, and brought him back to their base. A local tribal leader identified the man as a known Taliban bomb-maker. The accused learned of the leader's identification, which caused the tribal leader to fear he would kill him and his family if he was released. Trusting the leader and having also seen other detainees released, 
Goldstein allegedly told CIA interviewers that he and another soldier took the alleged bomb maker off base, shot him, and buried his remains. He also allegedly told the interviewer that on the night of the killing, he and two other soldiers dug up the body, burned it in a trash pit on base. Stackhouse has previously called this alleged admission a fantasy that his client confessed to shooting an unarmed man. Then in late 2016, during an interview with Fox News, Goldstein admitted to a version of the incidents involving the killing of the alleged Afghan bomb maker. The bomb, uh, the Army opened a second investigation near the end of 2016. Congressman Duncan Hunter, himself a Marine veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan, stepped in on the Goldsteins, writing a letter to the Army Secretary, making scathing public comments about the case, calling the Army's investigation retaliatory and vindictive. The congressman called on Army leadership to, quote, fix this stupidity, describing Goldstein as a distinguished and well-regarded Green Beret. Unrelated to the Goldstein case, Hunter was indicted earlier this year by federal prosecutors. Okay, that has nothing in this except a shot by Todd Smith, uh, who was taking a shot at uh, the congressman. But the bottom line here is that this was a guy. He had the bomb maker. They had somebody who would testify against him. There's more to this as far as uh, the military and what they were doing over there during those days, uh, cutting these people loose who were known uh, combatants. Uh, They were cutting them loose, and then they were going back and killing the people that had uh, gone and uh, given the necessary information to the military uh, for them to be um, to notify that these people were, you know, out killing people. They were bomb makers, things of that nature. This guy was the bomb maker that killed two of the men under him. So instead of letting him get out, now let's 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 stop for a second and think about something here. They're in war. They're fighting the Taliban right now. They're in Afghanistan. Your troops are in harm's way. You've got somebody who did harm to your troops, killed them, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, a, a hidden bomb. I can tell you this. The guy would have met his demise a long time before this if, if I had been involved in this. I got, I'm just, I don't understand anymore uh, about are we at war or aren't we at war? That's my question. Are we fighting or are we not fighting? If somebody has killed your troops, you find out who it is. He's hiding out amongst the villagers. Do you just, do you just let it go? Do you go out and get him? And, uh, and then when the, the army is carrying out where they're not even trying to, you know, find any kind of justice in this stuff, do they? Do you just let it go? And I say during a time of war, I don't think you can let it go. I believe this guy probably saved some lives here by what he did. Leave him alone. That, that's just my feeling about it, and that's, I think, what the president's going to say, that what he did was not murder. If that's murder, then I guess whenever you shoot an enemy combatant, then it's murder. 
I mean, if if you overrun positions and uh, you know there there's, I mean we, it's just amazing how much we've changed since we've been in all out war, like in World War Two or World War One or Korea or in Vietnam and some and, and and during the time and I'm sure during times when we were in uh, you know for Operation Iraqi Freedom uh, and they were in Fallujah and some of those cities and they were fighting that, uh, you know, if you were an enemy, you were an enemy. This whole stuff of, oh, well, you know, yeah, you you found out where he was and give you the right to go get him, kill him. Right? What does he give you? And your, your own um, military hierarchy is cutting these people loose. I mean, come on. I won't, I won't get into who was president during time a lot of this kind of crap was going on, but I will tell you that he put a lot of people into the uh, uh, Pentagon, uh, the mamby-pamby, you know, broken heart, cry, my, cry me a river uh, for um, uh, these Taliban people. So it's just, you know, come on. I just I don't think the guy is guilty of, of, uh, of anything except getting rid of the enemy. 8230965. I'm going to leave it open to you. You tell me. 8230965. They took uh, they took his body, they dumped him in uh, a trash heap and they burned his body. You know, I guess maybe maybe that says that the guy said, uh, yeah, I know that this is against our rules of engagement that but uh, hey, this guy is the guy who killed two of our men, blah, blah, blah. So I, and they're, they're not going to do anything about it. What's your, what's your thought about that? You think that he should be court-martialed? Do you think that he should face the death penalty? I don't. Do you think he should be stripped of all of his rank? Do you think he should be stripped of his, of his, uh, his medals, which he, he won legitimately? You know, making sure a sniper got taken out, saving uh, countless other people's lives that were Afghanis. I think if you're the enemy, you're the enemy. That that's that's Dave Ellswick's opinion. It's it's not Russ's, it's not Salem's, it's nobody's. It's my opinion about this as a veteran. That when you're in a shooting war. The object is to destroy the enemy. And if you got some guy who does his work behind the scenes making bombs and installing them and killing people, you find out where he's at, you can take him, take him, and, and kill him. Be done with him. Don't let him do it anymore. Don't let him do what he does anymore. All right, 21 after 2 on a Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 823-0965. Want to hear from some vets today. How do you feel about this kind of stuff? What do you think? This guy's Green Beret, man, Special Forces. Sounds like to me he he did his job. We'll talk more about it when we come back. It is the Dave Ellswick Show. We're uh, doing our thing here on 101.1 FM, the uh, the answer. Hey, don't forget about my friend Eric Coleman. Uh, he's still got those great prices, I bet you, going on. If you stop by, give him a call, 501 501- Two four six thirty six fifty five. Give him a call. Ask him if he's still got twenty percent off of everything that's over there at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Uh, I bet you you find that 
he's still got those uh, prices going. He said something about last Friday that he might have them going all the way up until Christmas Day. He's at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard. Uh, look, if you haven't decided what you want to get that special someone, you go over and see Eric, and he'll help you to pick out something that they will find absolutely marvelous. Again, the phone number is 501-246-3655. His phone number, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, right here in Little Rock. All right, uh, story I just came across dealing with this story I've been talking about. And this one uh, just breaking from uh, late yesterday. This again in the Army Times. President Donald Trump said that uh, he will be, quote, reviewing the case of a former U.S. Army commando being charged with murder, raising questions about the possibility he could jeopardize the ongoing military legal uh, proceedings. Trump tweeted that, quote, at the request of many, unquote, he will examine allegations that Matthew Goldstein hunted down and killed a suspected bomb maker in Afghanistan. The president tweeted that Goldstein is a U.S. military hero who could face the death penalty from our own government. Any review or intervention by Trump could constitute unlawful command influence and could threaten the case against the former Green Beret. In a statement Sunday, Army Colonel Rob Manning, that name sounds awful familiar. It's Pentagon, Pentagon spokesman. Where have we heard? i got to look into that, see what else he's been involved in. Uh, said that, quote, the allegations against Major Matt Goldstein are a law enforcement matter. The Department of Defense will respect the integrity of this process and provide updates when appropriate, unquote. Typical down, you know, coming from high command down. Trump and other senior military and administration leaders have issued statements about military criminal cases in the past, triggering legal appeals and other complications as the court works to ensure impartial proceedings. The president, however, does have broad authority to pardon criminal defendants. An Army statement on Friday said Goldstein was charged with killing the Afghan during Goldstein's 2010 deployment to Afghanistan. Goldstein was leading a team of Army Special Forces troops at the time and believed that the bomb maker was responsible for an explosion that killed two U.S. Marines. The Goldstein case has bounced around since 2011. And then, of course, he had that CIA job interview. Uh, Bottom line, uh, as far as I'm concerned, sounds like to me that uh, this guy had done his job, that he did his job. Let me go back and and read that last part of that story again. Here's what it says. An Army statement on Friday said Goldstein was charged with killing the Afghan during Goldstein's 2010 deployment to Afghanistan. He was leading the Army Special Forces troops at the time, and the bomb maker was responsible for an explosion that killed two U.S. Marines. 
He literally went out and searched for this guy. They found him, and uh, he he killed him. Should he be found guilty of murder? I don't believe that he should be. I'm good good riddance to bad rubbish, as far as I'm concerned. This guy was a you know was a known bomb maker. They had people, Taliban, other Taliban uh, witnesses. And witnesses that were afraid that if he was given uh, a break and let out of uh, prison, this guy that they would uh, or let didn't put him in prison or whatever, which it didn't look like was happen, would come out and kill them. Let's get to the news. Hey, don't forget about what uh, uh, David Lucas wants you to remember. For instance, that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits. There's 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook. I just went on the Internet uh, a week ago and uh, put in the initial uh, paperwork I had to fill out uh, for taking my Social Security, which comes up in uh, February. I'm supposed to know something by Uh, about Medicare and about what I'm doing as far as uh, uh, Social Security, they said here by the middle of of January. It's kind of silly, to be honest, because, you know, you got to figure out how to keep uh, your health care going uh, during this time, and that's not an easy thing to do when you're dealing uh, with the government and as fast as they they work. And, And that's why... This booklet that uh, David talks about is is so important. Uh, To make matters worse, uh, you know, the government has told the Social Security Administration that they're actually forbidden to give you any personalized advice, so you're on your own. And I've been dealing with David Stone at Elder Care, placed down in in Hot Springs, and he's been giving me some, telling me how to go about this. Uh, No wonder, uh, as much as $10 billion in benefits, Go unclaimed every year. Learn how you could wring every nickel, every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas, host of the David Lucas Show here on 101.1 FM. Uh, The answer to get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. You don't want to be leaving money on the table. You want to get back every nickel that is rightfully yours. You've been paying into it just like I have for, uh, you know, a long, long, since I was 13. I'm going to be 66. You do the math. Uh, Call 501-653-6690 or visit uh, davidlucasfinancial.com. Don't want to get screwed over. So this whole thing going on about uh, this Green Beret has gotten to be very, very interesting. Uh, one other thing I found out about this story is I've been sitting here and reading. I've read about 10 stories now. Uh, most of them are from CNN, the New York Times, and Mother Jones, not the huge, huge bastion of uh, conservatism and so uh you know you can figure that things are going to be uh skewed a little bit more towards the left is and that's the way it it is uh, happen happening uh 
they went into this story on the New York Times. This is from, let me see what the date is, on December 14th. And, uh, excuse me, had a sneeze. And that uh, this Goldstein had killed a suspected Afghan bomb maker uh, a year earlier uh, during the battle for the city of Marja in Afghanistan's volatile Helmand uh, province. Uh, they said that the military opened the initial investigation into the 2010 shooting after the major admitted to it to the CIA, the Army closed the case in 2013 without charging him, but did strip him of a silver star, one of the highest awards for valor uh, in other things that he had done. Then during a Fox News interview in November 2016, Goldstein again said he killed the Afghan man who had been captured by American troops, found with bomb-making material, and then released. I mean, he'd been looking for this guy. They knew that they had they had uh, witnesses for this guy, and then uh, what uh, what uh, pre- uh, precipitated uh, the whole thing is that the American military released this guy, and there were witnesses that felt this guy was going to be uh, you know tracking them down and kill him. This was a bad dude. Bad guy. He was a he was a combatant. I mean, either somebody's the enemy or they're not the enemy. Seems like to me. This guy had killed at least two Marines. So it sounds like to me, it was justifiable what was done. So there's a possibility now they've come back for the third bite of the apple, so to speak, and uh, are talking about again putting this guy up. Uh, for um, uh, court-martial and possible attaching the death penalty penalty to it. Now the president has said that he may get involved in it. And, uh, you know, I don't blame him. You know, he's the commander-in-chief. If you think somebody is, you know, you're looking at what's going on and it don't look right, seems like to me you got to look into it. So 823-0965. Eight two three zero nine six five. It's interesting. Um, I wish I could could really convey to you how CNN, Mother Jones, and the New York Times have taken this and twisted this to the left to make this guy look like a really bad guy. I mean, a really bad guy. Uh, most of the articles coming out, Washington Post, I just found Washington Post, I hadn't found that yet, and the BBC has now chimed in. Uh, I guess they, I guess Fox did one story, but as I'm just kind of moving across and looking at the different people who have done stuff on this, uh, NBC did a story on it, the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, BBC News, and uh, is there anything here by from Fox? I don't see it. And I don't see a specific story other than that the president might get involved in thing about uh, Fox doing it. So Fox uh, not doing anything. So nobody from the side that you would expect maybe uh, to get the whole story from 
got involved uh, in this whole thing. So anyway, I uh, I'm not going to let go of this one. I want to know what's what's happening as far as the story is concerned. We'll keep it uh, keep up. We'll see if we can get anybody on that uh, can talk about it uh, here in the in the in the near future because uh, that would be a good thing. Scientists, I'm going to bring this up. Uh, you know, Robert uh, Steinbach and and I believe in the First Amendment. I'm going to tell you a story when we come back from the break. This from the College Fix. Berkeley scientists, you're going to love this one, Russ. This is a good one. Berkeley scientists, pull the microphone up to yourself just for a moment here. I want you to hear this. Berkeley scientists developing a artificial intelligence tool to combat hate speech on social media. How about this? Ten students of diverse backgrounds helped develop this algorithm. Scientists at the University of California, Berkeley, are developing a tool that uses artificial intelligence to identify hate speech on social media, a program that researchers hope will outperform human beings in identifying bigoted comments on Twitter, Reddit, and other online platforms. This is not good. This is not good at all. I'll have more on this story when we come back. Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so got just. I'm going to bring this up to Robert when uh, he's on. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we got things going on here. So, um, Jerome Corsi, we had a mix up today about central time and Eastern time. So I'm going to work on getting him on later on in the week, uh, Russ, so we can have him on because we don't want to miss having a chance to talk to him, uh, about what's going on in, in his world because, you know, Mueller, uh, Mullen or Mueller or whatever it, the dude's name is 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 all in you know, up in his uh, grill. By the way, I was watching Narcos on Netflix last night. Guess who was uh, one of the big boys at the in the DEA back there in the eighties? If you thought Mueller, you're right. He came up. His picture's hanging on the wall of uh, the DEA there in Mexico. This is about the was it the Guadalajara cartel at that time and uh it's getting pretty interesting now because they've gone back and they're showing this this guy who in mexico who's been running pot now is going to start running cocaine and to run and to ship it he ships it he don't make it he just ships it and he's involved with escobar and the cali cartels and uh they brought back the guys from the first and second seasons of uh, narcos uh to be in the fourth season now has been the timelines are are blurring out now. It's pretty cool. Oh, new show that you got to watch, Russ. I'm, I'm going to digress just for a second because it just dawned on me. You watch Netflix a lot. You ready? It's called Death by Magic. I told you a little bit about this. This is a great show. You got to see it. It's crazy, really crazy. Does he pull off? Does he try to pull off Houdini's death? He yes he does the second episode he does not do the hourglass one which was where he hung upside down in in the hourglass and they covered and then they pulled it up and he was out of it you know don't do that they do the milk the milk uh uh 
uh, the milk container. Can. Yeah, and another guy died doing that. Uh, and they show uh, they show that, and he does that. Except that he does it a different way. They seal up this car, and they got him inside of it, and they got a tube that goes in. They got this big semi next to him with thousands of gallons of of water in it, and they fill up the car, and he is he is chained inside the car, and his hands are handcuffed to the steering wheel. And he gets out in about 45 seconds. But I, I won't tell you how it, it goes because you're sure he's dead. You're sure it killed him too. They killed a guy in Canada uh, when they did it for him. He put They put him in, but what had happened is the dudes that set it up for him dropped the, the mechanism, and it screwed something up, and he couldn't get out. And he drowned in it. Ouch. Not good. The other one was about the guy was in a straitjacket and getting out of straitjacket and uh, uh, before a car ran him over, and he didn't, and the car ran him over and severed both of his legs, and he bled out right there in front of the crowd. Uh, Carl to something or something like that. It was it, it's you got to see the show. It's a great show. It's all the different, all these other different tricks that he does amazes me that one that i told you about where he literally took a a deck of cards the people picked a card put it back in the deck he put it in a handkerchief tied the top of it dropped it in a swimming pool and a card came out of the out of, out of the package or out of the the the, uh, the napkin and floated to the top of the pool and it was the card that they had chosen that was trippy that was just and then the pool ball coming out of his shoe. That was pretty cool, too. <laughs> so you got watch Death. It's called, it's on Netflix, folks. It's called Death by Magic. You'll love them. You'll love them. It's really crazy. Okay, so let me go back and what they're doing at Berkeley. And and, and Robert Steinbach is going to be like me. He's going to be in, in horror about this. Says that uh, scientists at Berkeley's D-Lab are working in cooperation with the Anti-Defamation League on a scalable detection system called the OHI, or the Online Hate Index, to identify hate speech. I mean, right from the very beginning of this story, you got to ask yourself, you got to say to yourself, who determines what constitutes hate speech? Because hate speech to me is probably totally different than hate speech for you. In addition to artificial intelligence, the program is going to use several different techniques to detect offensive speech online, including machine learning, natural language processing, and good old human brains. Researchers aim to have, yeah, which human brains, all right? Researchers aim to have major social media platforms one day utilizing the technology to detect hate speech and eliminate it and the users who spread it from their networks. And they're going to censor people here. They're going to get rid of people uh, that are on uh, social media. Current technology mainly involves the use of keyword searches, one researcher stated, which are fairly imprecise and blunt. Current algorithms can be fooled by simply spelling words differently, for instance. 
The OHI intends to address these deficiencies. Already their work was a, has attracted the attention and financial support of the platforms that are most bedeviled and that draw the most criticism for hate-laced content. Twitter, Google, Facebook, and Reddit. And Reddit. Uh, D-Lab initially enlisted 10 students of diverse backgrounds from around the country to, quote, code the post, flagging those that overtly or subtly conveyed hate messages. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. Ten people determine how millions or billions speak and what they may say and who is being, of course, hateful and who's not. The posts uh, that the, they, they code all this stuff out, flagging those that uh, are conveying hate messages. Data obtained from the original group of students were fed into machines, learning models, ultimately yielding algorithms that could identify text that met hate speech definitions with 85% accuracy, missing or mislabeling offensive words and phrases only 15% of the time. Though the initial 10 coders were left to make their own evaluations, they were given survey questions. Is the comment directed at or about any individual groups based on race or ethnicity uh, to help them differentiate hate speech from largely offensive language? In general, hate comments were associated with specific groups while non-hate language was linked to specific individuals without reference to religion, race, gender, etc. Under these criteria, a screed against the Jewish community would be identified as hate speech while a rant, no matter how foul, against an African-American celebrity might get a pass as long as his or her race wasn't cited. One researcher warned against the possibility of inadvertent censorship Unless real restraint is exercised, free speech could be compromised by overzealous and self-appointed censors. Duh. My, that's my big fear. The lab is thus, and, and look, they've already admitted that they, they lean harder against conservatives than anybody else. The lab is thus working to minimize bias with proper training and online protocols that prevent operators from discussing codes or comments with each other. Some things about this that make me very, very, very uncomfortable as far as freedom of speech is, uh, is concerned. So um, I'll keep a, keep a lookout on this. As a, that's from the college, uh, the college fix com. If you're looking for the uh, story written by Daniel Payne, the assistant editor, and that was uh, put together today, just went out on uh, today. It's a good website, by the way. You should keep a keep a lookout on it because there's a lot of things coming out of that. They, I mean, they even have a tool that they're coming up with uh, to uh, flag social media pre- uh, prejudice. Amid backlash to social media platforms being accused of squelching conservative voices, two university professors are promoting a new system designed to automatically detect prejudice in social media posts. The program has the ability to flag certain posts as, quote, having the potential to spread misinformation and ill will. 
The system is a result of a recent study by the University of Buffalo assistant professor in the Department of Management, Science, and Science and Systems, Hamanti Dutta, and Arizona State University Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication assistant professor K. Hazel Kwan. We would like to have a system like this integrated into browsers on the client side so that users can use them to tag social media content that causes hate, aversion, and prejudice. Just telling you, all of this stuff about um, algorithms and making the decision if you are prejudiced, if what you're using is, you know, hate speech and all the rest, should throw up warning bells left and right around you. I mean, it just... It's to be, this is to really be really concerned about. The study analyzed intergroup prejudice by using Twitter, Twitter data collected immediately after the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. Using the data, the researchers set up a way to detect intergroup prejudice with artificial intelligence and machine learning. The messages identified by the new system are then automatically tagged machine will determine if you're prejudiced or not always remember garbage in garbage out all right got to get a break in let's do that news coming up stock market having a bad day i'm sure they'll have something to say about that that's all coming your way as we continue the dave ellswick show robert steinbach will join us in the next hour right here at 1011 fm the answer all right back with you dave ellswick show uh let me give you this. I, I, I sent this to uh, Robert uh, during the time that I was talking about it. He hasn't had a chance really to peruse it, but let me just read this to you a little bit, Robert. Yes, sir. Ten students of diverse backgrounds helped develop an algorithm. Scientists at the university. Can, can I sigh now? Like, do I have to wait till the end? Yeah, I, I, know. I have to know their diverse b- backgrounds, yes. by the way. How about ten smart people? How about ten people? <laughs> How about ten individuals? Nope. Diverse backgrounds. Yes, it, 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 the, the article is from, by the way, the College Fix, who I have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. here's what it says. And it, 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 it pains me that it comes from the University of California, Berkeley, the home of the free speech movement. Yeah, but they're a bunch of leftists. Right. Now They've they are. They've totally abandoned Now the they notion. are. They have. Yeah. All right. But that right. it came from the place that, you know, the free speech movement was at is amazing to Where me. Where it began. They are developing a tool that uses artificial intelligence to identify hate speech on social media. A program that researchers hope, and that's that, let me just tell you, it ain't going to work. Right. Just telling you, will outperform human beings in identifying bigoted comments on Twitter, Reddit, and other online platforms. Scientists at Berkeley's D Lab. I don't know if that's their grades or what, but it's right. a, it's a D lab. Mm-hmm. Quote: Are working in cooperation with the with the Anti Defamation League, which, by the way, used to be a legitimate organization. Now it's a political hack organization. Okay, on a scalable detection. Now that's their quote, not mine. Scalable detection system, the OHI or the Online Hate Index to identify hate speech, according to Cal Alumni Association. In addition, 
to artificial intelligence. They're also going to use techniques of uh, machine learning, natural language processing, and good old human brains. Researchers aim to have, quote, major social media platforms one day utilizing the technology to detect hate speech and eliminate it and, okay, now wait, let me say that again. They're going to detect the hate speech, they're going to eliminate it, and along with it, they're going to eliminate the users who spread it. They're going to eliminate the users? From the networks. That's what it says. Uh, I, right. I, I, I don't think that's a coincidence that they're going to eliminate the users. Yeah. Current technology mainly involves the use of keyword searches, one researcher states, which are fairly imprecise and blunt. Current algorithm, algorithms, algorithms thank you, can be fooled by simply spelling words differently, uh, and then they can't pick it up. You know, and, and who is this for? For social media? Like, who, yeah. Who's applying these? Well, they w- they're trying to determine to do this. They're wanting to do it for people like, you know, Facebook and, and all the rest. So they can put. You know, I heard uh, along similar lines, I heard that there are universities and colleges that peruse the students' social media and then if they. Private social media! At home or in the dorm, yeah. and they and then they find something they don't like on it, and they call it, hey, call it hate speech by whatever definition. Mm-hmm. I don't care, and they say, oh, you're engaged in hate speech, and then they go after the students. Either they sanction them or they tell them they must take it down. Well, well what do you think this is about? Right? This is what this is right? all about. It's all about a bunch of mind control. Look, there are plenty of things that I don't like. Plenty of things that are bad in terms of morality. And guess what? The First Amendment guarantees your right to say them. Now, there's a little bit of a difference on a private social media site. But with that said, it's creepy. It's downright creepy. And moreover, these social media sites are going to get themselves in hot water because there's a law, federal law, that makes them immune from lawsuit. And it says if you just host stuff, well, then it's not your content, right? It's just you provide a a forum where people can say whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But if you provide editorial content, meaning you screen stuff out – you're a newspaper. You're a magazine. Now it's different. Now it's different, baby. And you're on the hook. So when these social media sites start to screen some as well, it's just our policy. Great. Guess what that policy may result in? Liability. You getting sued. So good luck with that. And I think they should pull, by the way, that law, that federal law that gives immunity to these social media sites when they're not curating the information because they are curating the information. So they don't need some sort of uh, immunity that they go, oh, well, we're not really curating the information. Mm -hmm. If you use nonsense like this, you are determining the content of the speech and therefore are liable for defamation, invasion of privacy, any of those types of torts. So good luck. All right. Let me finish this now yes, for you. The initial 10 coders. Now remember, they started this. In, the initial diverse 10 yes, coders. They have used 10 people to put this together, basically. Exactly. Star we're, cha- we we're call that left, a star chamber. Yeah. We're left to make their own evaluations. They were given survey questions like, uh, is the comment directed at or about any individual or groups based on race or you know, their ethnicity. 
to help them to differentiate hate speech from merely offensive speech. In general... (laughs) Help me differentiate that, by the way. What's the difference to the left? In general, hate comments were associated with specific groups while non-hate language was linked to specific individuals without reference uh, to religion, race, gender, etc. Under these criteria... A screed against the Jewish community would be identified as hate speech, while a rant, no matter how foul, against an African-American celebrity might get a pass as long as his or her race wasn't cited. And by the way, as for that latter, nonsense. Because if you rant against one of their uh, um, uh, claimed uh, uh, groups, then you know what they would say? That is hate speech. That's it. That's the isms in the ist, like you point out. Hey, you say something, and you say something against Dave Ellswick, and Dave Ellswick is, I don't even know your background. Are you Polish? What is it? No, what is, I'm English and German. English and German. Oh, got to watch out. I'm the got, worst. Yeah, you got to watch out, right? <laughs> I'm According the to the lefties, right? So you say, say well, Dave Ellswick, hey, that's anti-German. Yeah. That's anti-German, don't yeah. you know? So let me finish this, and tell me if this this is what you and I are saying right here. Yeah. One researcher, there was one person with a logical brain amongst this group, mm-hmm. warned against the possibility of inadvertent censorship. Mm-hmm. Quote, unless real restraint is exercised, free speech could be compromised oh by God. overzealous and small or self-appointed censors. The lab is thus working to minimize bias with proper training and online protocols that prevent operators from discussing codes or comments with each other, unquote. It's like the new kid who comes into the Soviet Politburo, (laughs) right? And he's sitting around with the old dictators, and they're saying, well, we're going to do this, and we're going to... And he says, but sir, sir, uh, isn't it the case that this might be a problem? And they all turn to him, right? And and then he is quickly escorted out and shot, because you're not allowed to have thoughts like that. Wait, what? What? Censorship? No, you don't understand. There's no such censor, such thing as censorship right. to the left because there are permissible statements, i.e., that is, leftist statements. And then there are impermissible statements. Some of them may be unabashedly hateful. That's right. That's right. Guess what the First Amendment protects? Hate speech. Why? Because the other speech don't need no protecting. When the First Amendment protected the Nazis from marching in Skokie, Illinois, remember, my relatives were murdered by Nazis. I'm no fan of Nazis. I come on your show, and almost every week we have some discussion related to my Judaism. Do yeah. I sound like a Nazi sympathizer? I don't think so. You always have been. I know it. I know it. <laughs> of course. Of course. Why? Because I'm privileged. That's right. That's it. I'm privileged. That's right. You That's may right. be Jewish, but you're white, buddy. That's right. And I'm privileged. First-generation American. My, my parents came over with $50 in their pocket. But boy, am I privileged because people look at me, and they just throw gold bars at me. Don't you know how my life was? I grew up in a mansion. Mind you that my mother had to turn on the oven during the winter to keep the kitchen warm. Open the oven and turn it on to keep the kitchen warm. Mind you that we had a kerosene heater inside the house to warm the house uh, during the winter because it was so cold in the house that we grew up in. But it's all privilege, Dave. Look at me. Well, you had he. I had he. Exactly. (laughs) There you go. I know people used to have to walk to school uphill both ways. That's right.
Right. So you knew my 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 past. Exactly. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> so this is the the idiocracy that is the left. That oh, it's is, it's even worse than that. I know. I've got another story for Go you. Ahead. I hadn't got a chance to send this to you. This is from the University at Buffalo. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Where's the story here? Let me get it right. A new system for automatically detecting prejudice. In social media posts, oh my gosh. can help curb abuse and harassment online, according to a new research from the School of Management at the University of Buffalo. Recently published in the journal Decision Support Systems, the study analyzed online intergroup prejudice, a distorted opinion held by one social group about another without examining the facts behind aversion, hatred, and hostility. In social media, users often express prejudice without thinking about how members of the other group would perceive their comments, says study co-author Amanti Duda, assistant professor of management science and systems. This not only alienates the targeted group members, but also encourages the development of dissent and negative behavior toward that group. And they use Twitter data for this, and they picked it up after the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing, and the researchers developed a system for automatically detecting intergroup prejudice in social media messages using machine learning. The system can flag messages as having the, quote, potential to spread misinformation and ill will Assisting crisis information systems oh managers. Ill will. Ill will. How dare you, Dave Ellswick, spread ill will? What happens when, and I, I say when, but it's not when, it already is the case. People say Dave Ellswick spreads ill will. He's not drinking the leftist Kool Aid and having everybody hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And then, by the way, when some people, like I say, the, the young kid who walks into the Politburo and says, uh, she, uh, you know, it's like uh, um, Oliver when he goes, more food, yeah. sir, right? You know, yeah. uh, hey, how about some truth, sir? And they all come uh, d- jumping down on his head, right? Yeah. Dave Ellswick, Ellswick is spreading hate. Why? Of course, he's not, just to be clear. But why would the leftists say that? Because you don't agree with the leftists. And don't you understand, Dave, the definition of hate? To the left is whatever they don't agree whatever with. Whatever they don't agree with. That's exactly right. That's it. That's hate speech. So let me tell you, I don't agree with the left. You can do the math on the rest of that equation. You know, it just this is what drives me crazy, though. Duda says this is going to help because quote the prejudice expressed publicly via social media is dangerous. Her word, not mine. That's it's right. dangerous, dangerous because those messages are likely to spread far more rapidly and broadly than private sharing. Here's a great thing. Here's my question to these crackpots. I think your message is dangerous. Yeah. So do you, Dave Ellswick. So does Russ. Say hello, Russ. <laughs> so hello <laughs> he's still grabbing the mic you yeah. with us you with us this is I'm crazy. Right there, bro. yeah um so so i think those messages are dangerous so do i get to say that do i get to nope. shut them down you do, do i get to quiet them do i get to muzzle whoever them? whoever puts these programs in to place 
gets to tell everybody exactly. else what is hate speech and what is prejudice. And there's a word for that, totalitarianism. Yeah. Plain and simple. I'm with you. Totalitarianism. To- I'm totally I may not agree you. with what you said, you. but... I'll By defend golly, your right to say the, it. The uh, founding fathers gave us the Constitution and the uh, right to freedom of speech. We can say anything we want to. And if I get upset about it, guess what? I don't have to listen to your snuff anymore. Exactly. I d- yeah, I can block you. And you know what? As I've said on your show before, if you get upset and you don't like it, grow a pair of whatever you're supposed to have a pair of. You get to choose, right? Today's the day we get to choose where we're men, we're women, we're something else. <laughs> you just choose what you have a pair of. A pair of lungs, a pair of eyes, <laughs> pair of something else. Uh, whatever it may be. But grow a pair of them. Yeah. And, and, right, right? And, and, and be, you know, this is the beauty of it. Oh, well, you know, we only like um, uh, um, uh, to people to say nice things. And we only believe in rainbows and unicorns, says the left. Hey, wake up. That ain't the real world. Wake up. There are bad people out there. And you're not going to solve the problem of bad people by saying, oh, you, you know, you don't, you don't get to say that around here because we're the thought police. And, you know, history, history is laden with thought police dictators burning in the ash heap of history. Does it? Anybody at their schools read Fahrenheit anymore? It's amazing, right? You got Fahrenheit, you got 1984, you got. Do uh, they read any of right, these? Books? A Brave New World? We read the latter two in high school. High school, no less. But now, that's sacrilege. You can't challenge authority, according to the left, as long as the authority is the left. That's right. So I can't believe that they would allow people to read Fahrenheit. What's it? Four twenty. I always mess up that number. Yeah, uh, right? same way. Yeah, uh, allow them to read Fahrenheit. Allow them to read uh, George Orwell. Allow them to read Aldous Huxley. None of these books that say be wary of an overly empowered authority. We used to read. Yeah, we used to read those books because we wanted that's right. freedom of speech. That's right. That's right. Because we wanted to be able to say, because the, they were using that to keep other voices out of magazines and, and all kinds of things, real quickly. And here's the proof. Dave Ellswick, when he was younger, was on the liberal side, yep. and he has not changed on yeah. speech. Yeah, and I haven't not changed, changed at all. And I'm now left, I'm totally on a different that's right. side. That's right. The it's left bizarre. left you. It's very bizarre. Right. All right. We'll take a break. And, of course, Robert Steinbach is a law professor at UALR's Bowen School of Law, his opinion, his opinion, and his opinion only. It's a Dave Ellswick show. All right, Ford is with us. And uh, hey, Ford, how are you? Quickly, your question. Real quick for Rob. It, would it be fair, as an economist, I'm not sure I know what that word means, but it, would it be fair to spend the same amount of money that Mueller spent investigating Hillary? You know, Ford, uh, Ford's a good buddy of mine, by the way, to, to your listeners, Dave. Uh, Ford, uh, as you know, uh, but to remind your listeners, is a professor emeritus of economics from UALR. Yep. So he's a great guy. Great guy, smart guy. But Ford raises an excellent question. The amount of money that we're spending to put people in prison or to at least have them indicted and convicted of crimes, not of crimes that occurred before the investigation, but crimes 
process crimes of the investigation. So in other words, hey, uh, General Flynn, we don't have anything on you in terms of prior criminal behavior, but we, but we want to ask you something about what has happened, and we've got you recorded, but we're not going to record you, and now we're going to call you a liar. All right, when we come back, we'll go further into this uh for you here on the show for it so just keep listening all right we appreciate your call it's a valid question it really really is a valid question by the way Mueller was on netflix during narco season four last night so we it was pretty cool okay so an interesting story uh come comes out of not story but uh discussion comes out of what uh, professor ford asked us about Mueller. Mm-hmm. He, he i've seen two different stories that say that either this uh, particular uh, stuff that he's involved with, special prosecution uh, going on about Trump, has cost either $30 million or, on the low side, $25 million. Yeah. All right, so it's let's say it's yeah. $27.5. Yeah, okay? split the difference. We'll go in the middle. All right, $27.5 million that right now has brought forth one person – and it's Cohen, basically. I mean, well, who is it, Papadopoulos or whatever yeah, his name was? Papadopoulos gets they two got weeks him. in jail. Yeah. Right? Because, but remember, Papadopoulos, General Flynn, um, and I think there's somebody else. These guys yeah, are Manafort. Oh, Manafort. Manafort. Yeah, Manafort had a bunch of other stuff. So, But here's right? the question. Yeah. Which one of them proved Russian collusion? Because that's uh, what right, they're looking right, for. Right, of course. None of them proved Russian collusion. But the interesting part about Papadopoulos and Flynn is that they were not convicted of anything that occurred prior to the creation of the special prosecutor. Remember, the special cr- prosecutor is created to investigate crimes that have occurred, yep. that have occurred at the time that the special prosecutor was created. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean that he is prohibited from prosecuting later crimes as well. But the purpose of a special prosecutor, the purpose of this special prosecutor was to go back and look at prior events. You know, General Flynn and Papadopoulos were convicted of crimes, and I'll get to what those crimes are in just a moment, of crimes that did not occur prior to the creation of the special counsel. So... It's outside the very purpose. Again, I'm not saying that 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 it, it doesn't permit the special prosecutor to pursue that, but the reason that you set up the special prosecutor clearly is not being addressed if you're prosecuting people for crimes that had yet to occur until after the special prosecutor was established. So what's the crime? The crime is that the the FBI can come into you and lie to you. That's illegal. It's totally legal. They do it all the time. Yeah. They come in, they lie to you, and they ask you a bunch of questions. They try to entrap you. And they try to entrap you, and they say, did you ever say this or do that? And Flynn says, no, I didn't say that in the conversation with the Russian ambassador. By the way, a, a, a White House official talking to a Russian ambassador, that's called diplomacy. Now, you may not like it. I'm no fan of the Russians, I got to tell you. Or the Russian government, just to be clear, just to be clear. <laughs> um, uh, but 
Yeah, we could really make a story out of that. Yeah, don't, exactly. Maybe don't be to... of Russian ancestry and go into right. uh, Professor uh, yeah, exactly. Steinbach's right, class. Right, because then that, that, that artificial <laughs> intelligence might pick you up. Actually, you, you know that my father uh, lived in Russia and then Kazakhstan uh, during World War II. The Soviets, as evil as they were, inadvertently saved his life. Uh, but we'll get to that another day. Uh, so um, they they go in. They've got him on tape talking to the Russian ambassador, and they say, what would you say to the Russian ambassador? Now, when he answers, do they tape that? No. Because now he says, by the way, I didn't exactly say what you claim I said. Can we go to the tape? No, we don't tape it. There was a local judge here in Arkansas that told the FBI that when they do interviews of people, they must record it. And then some big – this is years ago – big muckety-muck from uh, the FBI flew in to meet with the judge, and the judge buckled. Like 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 a cheap belt, uh, and oh okay. If the FBI comes and talks to me, I guess I won't you know uh, really have a backbone. Yeah, right? right, right. That's it. I won't have a backbone. And he buckled. You know what? If the FBI is interviewing someone, particularly for the purposes of of claiming that the current statement is inconsistent with a prior statement, put a darn tape recorder on. That's so hard to tape record him, but they don't want to tape record him because then they say, well, this is what he said. And and then Flynn says, well, it's not exactly what I said. And their response is, well, whose word are you going to take? How about taking the word of tape recorder? It's it's 2018. The technology is not that hard to find. It's not a reel to reel. It doesn't weigh 80 pounds. You want to know why? You want to know why? I know why. Because they have to notify you if they're taping anything. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. No, right? I mean, yeah. look, we've had that rule in effect yeah. for broadcasting a long time. Used to be we didn't right. have to say that we were taking the people. Air. Right, right. Uh, well, news department. You could call yeah. somebody up and say, hey, this is right. Dave Ellswick from, K, you know, from uh, our station's news department. Right. I'd like to ask you a few questions, ask them, be recording it. Right. And, and not tell them. And I then see. you could right. play it back on the news. Well, now... I had better say, Dave Ellswick, do you mind if I record our conversation? Yeah, yeah. And that, and that will, will, will scare people or something. But, yeah, it does. But, right. So, and this is the other thing. They're not required to read you the Miranda warnings before they interview you. Uh, and they're not required to tell you that it's for the purposes of criminal prosecution. And, and Comey said, well, we didn't want to scare them off. Here's the thing. It's a fine line. There's a law, 18 U.S.C. 1001, it's well known, that says it's illegal to lie to federal investigators. But it can't be, right? It can't be that it's illegal all the time. If you run into a federal investigator inside the Quickie Mart and he says, what were you doing last night because he's your neighbor and you said you were asleep when really you were you were over your friend's house and you didn't invite him so you didn't want to tell him, yeah. that can't be illegal, right? Or your friend was over at your house and, and- you didn't want to know that you didn't want him over. Exactly. Yeah. Either way. So so it can't be that that's illegal. So it's got to be regarding something material, mm-hmm. something involving potential criminality. And so I don't think it would be unreasonable to actually require law enforcement to say, I'm asking you about material matters in an investigation. Right. Right? I mean, that's not unreasonable. Because remember, the First Amendment, unless otherwise actually allows you to lie, right? Well, if if, if somebody from the FBI or any police outfit comes up to me and starts asking me questions, if it's in in lieu of an 
an investigation, if they're right. looking, talking about a murder or right. something like that, right. I want to be Mirandized. Right. Well, that's, you know, I, I got to tell you, you're absolutely right, Dave. These days, given what we have seen with the FBI, if an FBI agent uh, or the like uh, says, hey, can we come talk to you? I get that, by the way, because I've got, uh, I've, I'm often interviewed for background checks for former students yeah. and other friends of mine. I get that all the time because yeah. I've worked with a lot of different people. Yeah, I've, I've been interviewed quite a bit for background checks uh and uh, and but they tell me up front this is for a background check and that's an investigation Mm -hmm. and i have no intention of lying even if it were not but i I know that's a that's the real deal that's serious that's right that's right and so it's 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 got to be i think as a moral matter this is not the law as a moral matter that if the fbi is investigating you and they're talking to you about acts that they're trying to catch you in criminal behavior, they should give you some sort of alert. Not that they're investigating you, but we are investigating matters of legality, and you you must tell the truth here. Well, they might not even be doing that, though, right. Robert. I mean, they it may be all a fishing expedition. Right. They don't have any idea if you had right. anything to do with something right. in any way, shape, or form. It's like investigating a murder instead of... You know, they can lie to you and say, well, you're not being considered about right. anything. Right. And they may think you're the number prime right. suspect. Right. Well, I think, and, and, and I have less of a problem than them not telling you that you're a suspect, but, but I do have a problem with them not saying, uh, we are doing an official investigation here, so you've got to be truthful. Because it's, you know, here's the thing it's, there's a lack of memory, there's imprecision, and then there's lying. Mm-hmm. And if if you're not told by the FBI, hey, we're doing an official investigation, you may wander from one quite easily I- into the other. And I'm not saying it's good, but that's not your job. But that's what Dershowitz talks right. about all the time right. about that it's nothing more than they're out trying to get you get you caught to up. trip you up. To trip you up. What do they call it when you lie? Perjury uh, trap. Perjury. That's right. It's a perjury trap. That's right. That's right. They know that people's memories are not That's specifically right. That's right. clean. That's right. So they can say you're lying. You know, I and mean, you course, knew you were lying. Right. You know, the 2020 hindsight is perfectly clear. But how wonderful would it have been for someone like Flynn when they walked in and said, "What did you say to the uh, Russian ambassador?" If he said, "Do you have it on tape? Let's listen to it." I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I know some of it. I don't remember. But I don't have a word by word, that's for sure. A lot of water under the bridge right? since I talked to right. him. And then they said, well, did you talk about uh, sanctions? And maybe he did remember talking about sanctions and didn't tell him. The smarter move, in retrospect, like I say, 2020 hindsight, would have been to say, hey, do you have it on tape? Let's yeah, listen to it. I agree. But he would you know he was under investigation. That's his vicious cycle. They come in, and Comey admits, oh, we snuck in. Normally, we have to go through the White House counsel, but we knew this was a new administration that wasn't all set up yet, so we tricked him. We tricked him. That's the FBI director. The former FBI director says, we tricked the White House, our boss, by the way. Uh, he separately said, I leaked confidential documents. Why? Because I wanted to get a special prosecutor appointed. I leaked. I leaked. But and then he goes around, high and mighty, his false sense of nobility. This is the problem with power. We talked about this just in the Absolute earlier segment. Power what? Absolutely it corrupts. corrupts. It corrupts. And he thinks he can do no wrong. He thinks leaking documents ain't wrong. He thinks bypassing the procedures of the White House, which is his boss, ain't 
wrong. And then he and the other leftists have the audacity to say, well, Trump violates norms. Norms. How about the norm of following the process? Which goes and takes us right back to what we were talking about when we first started. You walked in and I started talking about people have to define what hate speech is. Exactly. People have to define exactly. what's prejudice and then determining who's prejudice, who's giving hate speech right. out. It will all depend on the definition of the people who have the power. Of course it will. And I'll go one step even further. Here's a, I, don't ha, I don't care what your definition of prejudice is. People are allowed to be prejudiced. People are allowed to be racist. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. Not by the left. Not by the left. But that's the thing. I don't like prejudice. We just talked about how my family directly suffered from prejudice. I don't like prejudice. I'm not prejudiced. Even though, God forbid, you say that, Dave, and be a white man. Because according Nobody to those, believes you. Well, no, you can't be. Don't you understand, Dave? I'm you, white. That's you, true. You, you, you know, you're a white male who has has benefited from privilege your whole life. Listen, I've seen the, the 13 gold Cadillacs that you drive and, <laughs> and the diamond rings that you have on your hand right now and the Gucci glasses that you're wearing. All you, given to me by Russ. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's all privilege. It's, you know, it's really remarkable that the left has the audacity to say, well, it's wholly improper to judge people based on the color of their skin or other immutable characteristics, unless you're white, mm-hmm. right? Because you're privileged. They've decided as a blanket rule, you're privileged. That's right. Uh, I'm sorry, I call BS. BS! I call it right now. We've got to get a sound effect for BS. Exactly. We've really got to get exactly. one. We I could do something one. right now, but they might not sound too good. I got gotcha. you. Know? All right, let's take a break here. Lots of big changes uh, still happening at Hortons because, you know, they have uh, six locations with their updated facility in Little Rock. Now, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy, they've got a whole area uh, for women who have gone through uh, breast cancer, have lost breasts, need prosthetics because of that. They have a special place now that you can go with people who specifically deal with that issue, you sit in a nice, comfortable area, work through this whole issue so that you can move on and just have a, uh, a you know, a gr- it's not a great time, but a much more, uh, less stressful time uh, dealing with those prosthetics and orthotics uh, that you would need. They have a new gate room that they can check out how well is that prosthetic leg working where they're getting down literally on eye level with that prosthetic so they can see how it's affecting the way you walk or your gait. That's what's going on at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics because they pride themselves on their patient relationships and they want you to remember that with Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, they provide a lifetime of support. Okay, we're back with you. John asked a question. He called and asked a question. It was John, correct? All right. Here's what he asked of you, Robert. The FBI, we cannot lie to the FBI. That is a capital offense. Is that a capital? Not not quite. It's a federal offense. It's a federal offense. Okay, it's a federal offense. But they can lie to us. Right. How come? 
listen, this is the beauty I put in quotes of our criminal justice system. Uh, there, the the laws on the books, the Constitution, as well as, for example, rules of evidence, are designed to give extra protection to criminal defendants. Not because we like people who commit crimes, but because we know some of them may not be guilty and we need to protect the innocent even more than we need to ensure convicting the guilty. But that's those are the laws, those are the rules, and then there's the interpretation and the enforcement by the courts. And overwhelmingly, courts bend over backwards to give law enforcement as much leeway as they can. And at some times, overstep the trust that we put in our constitutional system to protect the innocent, I believe. And so they've said, sure, cops can lie to you all the time. Now, cops obviously lie to you, well, not you, but lie to people sometimes when they're undercover, right? They go undercover and they say, hey, I'm, I'd like to buy some drugs. Well, that's a lie, right? I mean, they don't actually want to buy <laughs> drugs. They just want to catch you selling drugs. Right. So we've got to allow for that. But there's something qualitatively different when the cops walk into you or the FBI type of cop walks into Flynn and says, hey, tell us about this conversation. And he starts recounting the conversation, but they know what the conversation is. So the inquiry is not fact gathering as it was presented to be. The inquiry is we want to see if we can catch you in a lie. Right. Or a misstatement, i.e., that is a perjury, perjury trap. trap. yeah. Right? And so in that context, as we discussed in the last segment, I think there should be a rule. And the FBI can put this in place today. And Congress can put this into place tomorrow. There should be a rule that if the FBI is investigating you and they're asking you questions about your behavior, they have to tell you, A, we're doing an investigation. They don't have to say, in my mind, they're investigating you, but they have to tell you, we're doing an investigation of potential criminal wrongdoing, and we need you to be entirely truthful, and we're going to ask you a series of questions, some of which we may know the answers to. Right. I think that's a perfectly reasonable middle ground for law enforcement to take. But unfortunately, we've gone too far to one side, and we've put people at Risk, really, people who otherwise look. Flynn didn't commit a crime until the FBI came in investigating other crimes. That's the trap. Yeah, is there? Is there? Does it not bother people that they're investigating you open-endedly? In other words, they're coming in and they they can open up banks and all kinds of stuff and start looking at your stuff and i i'm going to say that well over 50 maybe 60 percent of americans have something that they could find maybe even more than that that they could charge you with there are so many laws out there they can find i've always believed they can find something if you get on their radar big enough they can take you down well i, I a good you buddy of mine me? Do you good, think? Do you think I'm right? I think, I think that I think that is generally right. A good buddy of mine is a federal judge, and he said, "Don't get your sleeve caught in the the, the legal system. Don't Be, get dragged into it. Don't in get other dragged words. into it. 
Don't get dragged into it. That's what the hypocrisy of the left when Kavanaugh uh, was uh, being grilled in the Senate. And they said to him, don't you want an FBI investigation of the thing that you said you didn't do to clear your name? Isn't that amazing? Well, Think about uh, no. that. Yeah, no, think you about call that. Me, you call me a murderer, and then you want me to be investigated for being a murderer when I'm not a murderer? How about this? No, I know I didn't <laughs> commit murder. I don't need an investigation to clear my name. My name's perfectly good. I've never committed murder. There's your proof, buddy. No, I don't want you drilling holes in my foundation to find out what's going on underground. No. So it's just hypocrisy. And those I would love those very leftists who made those arguments. Just uh, and and I think um, uh, Shapiro did this right. He said this about one of the senators. He said, "Hey, I'm going to call her a uh, a child molester. Now, should we investigate her for being a child molester? Of course not, right? And so anybody can make any false accusation they want. And the left sincerely believes, and I don't believe they do. By the way, I think they were lying." Maybe they should be investigated by the FBI. They were lying when they said, well, don't you want the FBI to investigate this thing that you claim you didn't do to clear your name? And the answer quite logically and clearly has to be, no, I don't want that. Stay away. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, because if you're going to do that because you just want to make sure, supposedly, you know, what are they going to find? What are they... Here's my thing. What will they, they manufacture? Even if they find nothing, right? I mean, th- think you've of it as a colonoscopy, a, still, right? Yeah. You know, when you walk out of a colonoscopy, folks, and you're clear, right? You don't have any polyps. You don't have any colon cancer. Yeah. You know what? You, you were just quite literally it. reamed. Yeah. You were literally reamed. You may feel good about not having right. it. But, but you don't feel good about that two-foot The process pole. to find out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you. Exactly. I've had three of those, so yeah, I can agree with that. All no. right, we'll take a break. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Robert Steinbach is here. He's with us till the end of the show. The uh, Conduit News folks will be with us at 5 next hour. Obamacare, is it on its death nail? We'll talk about it in just a moment. All right, so let's get to one of the... I mean, this is the topic for today, no doubt about it. It's still got a long way to play out before we get uh, to the end of it. But what happened uh, Friday and what's being talked on over the weekend is really important. Uh, The Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare, and the multitude of regulations, taxes, and benefits that come with it once again could be on the road to the Supreme Court after a Texas judge ruled the law unconstitutional. The surprise decision Friday already has both sides of the debate posturing, with Democrats claiming the ruling is but a hiccup. A big hiccup. A big hiccup. Okay, and Republicans suggesting this could be their chance at last to abolish the law which remains largely in place despite President Trump's past claims to the contrary. A Supreme Court ruling in their favor would be Republicans' only shot at overturning the law in the foreseeable future, with Democrats taking control of the House in January. Speaking Sunday on CBS's Face the Nation, White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller boldly predicted the law would be struck down this way. Quote, 
I believe that's the likeliest outcome because Obamacare has always been unconstitutional, he asserted. And uh, if the court were to overturn the law, it leaves the Trump administration and a divided Congress in a remarkably difficult situation, scrambling to come up with an alternative that has eluded the law's critics in Washington ever since its passage in 2010. Quote, we have a chance working with the Democrats to deliver great health care, unquote, the president. But if the latest legal challenge to Obamacare ends up before the Supreme Court, the outcome is far from certain. All eyes would be on Trump's latest confirmed justice, Brett Kavanaugh, whose opinions about the health care law have been fiercely debated on the right, some saying he's been right, some saying he's been wrong, and Trump-nominated Justice Neil Gorsuch were to side with the rest of the conservative wing against the law, Roberts would be needed to constitute a majority. Where Roberts might fall this time is anybody's guess, and I will agree to that. Uh, In Friday's opinion, U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor, who Robert, by the way, knows very well, Uh ruled that last year's tax cut bill knocked the constitutional foundation from under the law by eliminating the penalty under the individual mandate for not having coverage. The rest of the law cannot be separated from that provision and is therefore invalid, he wrote. Supporters of the law immediately said they would appeal which would push it up to the Supreme Court. Uh, Today's misguided ruling will not deter us, they said. Our coalition will continue to fight in court for the health and well-being of all Americans. Where did that come from? Of course, California's Attorney General Xavier Becerra, who is leading a coalition of states defending the ACA. And, of course, there is a coalition of states trying to defeat Obamacare as well, which Arkansas is part of. So... Congress unlikely to act, uh, Robert, while the case remains in the courts. Numerous high-ranking Republican lawmakers have said they did not intend to also strike down popular provisions such as protection for people with pre-existing medical conditions when they repealed the ACA's fines for people who can't afford coverage uh, but remain uninsured. So this is going to be this is going to put everybody in a tight. Uh, spot also keep this in mind you may get to the point where congress is is arguing not about obamacare but arguing about what they wanted from the very beginning even when they put and this is according to robert Bur- not bird uh, what's his name out in, in nevada uh reed uh what harry reed was arguing hey we didn't have the votes to give you uh, universal health care right now so we gave you the best thing that we could but now if it's pushed and there's nothing there what do you give the people and will the republicans stand firm and not allow universal health coverage to come to be that i'm just telling you we could think that we're going to win on this and it could be the same way it happened what roberts did to us the last time i'm just telling you don't count your chickens before they hatch. What do you think, Robert? Look, I think it's still an open issue what will happen. Uh, so, as you mentioned, uh, I know uh, Judge O'Connor 
quite well. And as the New York Times itself said, somewhat to my surprise, only because they're so leftist, no one can question his legal ability. That was written in a New York Times article. No one can question his legal ability. He gave a very sound opinion that when the only basis for the mandate was struck, that the mandate itself, of course, is unconstitutional. The mandate being, again, that you must buy health insurance. That's exactly right. So there were two arguments that the Obama administration made for how they could force you to buy insurance. One is they said, we're allowed to under the Commerce Clause. And for those 99% of the uh, people listening to this uh, show, your show, Dave, who don't understand what that means, don't worry about it because it's gobbledygook. So, And the Supreme Court said, <laughs> yeah, that's nonsense. That doesn't make any sense. Right. What, what is forcing me to buy health insurance have to do with the ability of the government to regulate interstate commerce? And the answer is nothing, and the Supreme Court said so. Mm-hmm. Then, due to one vote from Roberts... And a rewrite of the law. Right. And a rewrite of the law, uh, the court said, however, since if you don't buy insurance, you have to pay a penalty uh, through your taxes, uh, that's essentially a tax. Uh, And so we can compel you either by telling you you have to buy it or you got to pay this so-called tax, even though it really wasn't a tax. But Roberts gave five votes to that view, and they said that's the basis for the mandate requiring you to buy health insurance. Most recently, during a procedure in which they could only amend the tax part of the law, the Congress took out that tax, said zero, no tax, buy insurance, don't buy insurance, zero tax. And so as a result, the court, Reed O'Connor says, well, then there's no basis for the mandate. Right? There's, there's mm-hmm. nothing left uh, in, in the mandate that makes it effective. So there's no mandate. So that's easy. The more complicated question, he says, now I've got to go back and look at the law as it was passed in 2010 to see if the mandate was an integral part of the law or it could be cut out, separated out. Because as a general matter, we judges try not to destroy laws so if we find part of them no good and the rest can stay alive we leave it because it's not our job to rewrite laws and trust me when i tell you that uh, reed o'connor is not looking to write right away laws he's conservative he's not looking to get involved in doing away with laws however if the part of the law that um says if the part of the law that any judge strikes implicates the whole law, undermines the rest of the law, then a judge has to say, well, then the whole law has to go. Okay. And so that's what he said. He said, look, go back to 2010. Look at the very language in the law itself that says the mandate is integral to the rest of this law. It says it in the law, in the congressional findings Regarding that law. So he said, sounds to me like you can't separate it out. By the way, if I'm wrong, let the other courts figure it out. But it sounds to me, it's called English, plain reading of English, that when they wrote that law, they viewed the mandate as integral. Okay, so now, if somebody brings a court case against what he has said, 
Right. All well, right. they're, they're, they're going to appeal it. And the you know it's going, going to appeal, appeal it, it. Right. Where does it go next? It goes to the Fifth Circuit. Remember, there are uh, 13, uh, 14 uh, circuits, uh, 12, uh, no, 13 of which are geographic and one is topical. You don't need to worry about that. So we live in Little Rock, and if we go to trial court, district court, federal court, and we lose and we appeal it, we happen to appeal to the Eighth Circuit, which sits mostly in St. Louis. Okay. Down in Texas, if you had a case before Reed O'Connor and you lose that case and you want to appeal it, you appeal to the circuit down there. It's called the Fifth Circuit. Where it's is number, it at? That's, Austin? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I don't know where it is. Okay. I'll have to check. But you know, uh, um, uh, um, uh, it and used to it used to cover many states, and then they divided it because it was so big. They divided out Alabama, Florida, and uh, Georgia. And it tends to be very conservative. It is, although the Eighth Circuit's more conservative. No, okay. uh, yeah, we're the most conservative, in fact. Uh, and so it's going to get appealed up to the Eighth Circuit. And the and the real question for the Eighth Circuit is again. Do you think that in 2010, when the law was passed, this was viewed, the mandate was viewed as an integral part, or you could break it up into separate pieces? Is it a Chinese menu where if you don't get the egg roll, you still can get the wonton soup? Mm-hmm. Or is it scrambled eggs with cheese, right, where you can't get the cheese out from the scrambled eggs? Now, there's some people that say, well, when they amended the law just now to, to gut the penalty, uh, the so-called penalty, uh, that... There's this doctrine that says if you change part of a law and not the other part of the law, that means you think the other part of the law can stay alive. But the facts belie that argument because they amended only the tax code during a provision, during a process that only allowed amendment of the tax code. So you can't say, oh, well, they left the rest of the the law alone. No, they didn't. They weren't examining the rest of the law. They didn't have an opportunity to examine the rest of the law when they changed this law. And that doctrine only applies when a law is amended in its entirety. You can bring up the whole law. You amend part. The remainder is considered to be ratified anew. But if you don't bring up the other part of the law... Indeed, if you can't bring up the other part of the law because the process doesn't allow it, you can't say as a matter of logic that that part of the law was ratified. So that argument, and by the way, to those folks that didn't follow fully what I'm saying, don't worry about it because it's another one of these leftist, not very credible arguments. Uh, that part of the law um, can't be amended, and so it wasn't amended. So we have it means nothing. I mean, much like every other law that Congress happens not to address in any given congressional period, they don't touch it. It's not a re-ratification of that law. That law is the old law passed by the old Congress, and you got to look at that old Congress's intent as reflected in the law. Not some separate language, but as reflected in the law itself. And the language of the law itself says that the mandate is integral. I think you can make an argument that it's severable. I think you can. You just can't make the argument that it's severable because they amended the tax law and somehow that implies they didn't amend the rest of the law. That's an illogical argument. All right. We got to get a break and we'll come back. We're going to talk further about this. You got questions, 823-0965, And uh, remember, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, he's the guy who was behind Obamacare and getting it all put together. Today, he said the Republican-backed lawsuit that resulted in the ruling by Reed O'Connor 
uh, was unconstitutional about Affordable Care Act being unconstitutional was in fact driving the American public toward Medicare for all. We'll bring that up as well as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. PI Roofing Home Solutions excited to announce that it's acquired Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Service. And that means if you're a customer of Tommy's, you can rest assured the folks at PI Roofing plan to continue providing the highest quality gutter cleaning services at a great value to you. And uh, with the recent purchase, PI Roofing Home Solutions, customers of Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services can expect to get more. Along with bringing you high-quality gutter cleaning services, the team at PI Roofing offers, of course, what I've been telling you for a long time, comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise. So it's the best of both worlds now. Learn more and just go to the website, piroofing.com. All right, back and continuing with Robert Steinbach. Now, here's what... The uh, architect of Obamacare, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, said uh, that the Republican-backed lawsuit that resulted in U.S. District Court Judge Reed O'Connor's ruling that the Affordable Care Act was unconstitutional was doing this, driving the American public toward Medicare for all or single-payer, single-payer health. All right, now let's remember that Harry Reid said during the time Obamacare was being put together, the Affordable Care Act, that the reason that you got the Affordable Care Act is because he knew on the Senate side he didn't have enough votes to, uh, and at that point, we're talking 51, there was not enough votes to uh, get it passed. uh, So you couldn't get single payer. Right. So you got Obamacare, which is just pieces of nothing, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, now is falling apart, as everybody said that it would do. Mm-hmm, exactly. So here's what Ezekiel says, and, and this is amazing to me. What we have seen in the last few polls is a majority of even Republican voters support Medicare for all. Now, understand That's the push from Warren and from Sanders and a whole lot of others. That ought to wake up the Republican Party that this relentless attack on the Affordable Care Act is happening, is having an effect, and the effect is to say this, is not to say Republicans are taking down the Affordable Care Act, it's to say we need protection. Let's go to Medicare for all. Right. That is where they are driving the American public because of their relentless attack and, and what he says next, I never thought I would hear. Uh, on this free market approach, Obamacare, the f- free market approach yeah. uh, to providing health care for all Americans. So what he, Emmanuel is saying is, hey, we're, gonna, we want, we're trying to tell you we want to get to where we want to get right from the beginning. We knew this wouldn't work. We put it in in the interim. It's now come to where it has yeah, fallen exactly. it's apart. It's all part of the plan, And right? since it's all fallen apart, now we can get to single-payer health care and that there's a ton of Republicans behind us. I haven't seen those figures. 
No, it's nonsense. And it's nonsense for the simple and important critical reason that Medicare for all means Medicare fails. Yeah. There's not enough money. This is the problem with this notion. So far, right now, young people currently pay for the old people currently on Medicare. When we pay into Medicare, our money doesn't go just the way Social Security. Exactly. Is. It doesn't it doesn't go into an account where they save it for us. That money goes out the door the day it comes in. Yep. Now, they want to add more people taking, but not more people paying? That's, that's leftist math, right? That math don't work. And so... That's why right. when the House and the Senate agreed that you didn't have to pay the tax, you didn't have to have health insurance... Then Affordable Care Act was going was heading to the ash heap of history. Well, the, according to the the Dems who passed the law, they said we have to have the mandate because otherwise it doesn't work financially. By the way, they were right about that. Well, of course, if they you don't right have people that. paying in, right? Enough people paying in, then you can't keep it going. Well, Same with Social Security, everything else. And not only that, by the way, they even under their plan, they didn't have enough people paying in, so they were stealing money from Medicare, even currently. So yes. the so-called Medicare for all wasn't even in place, isn't even in place, and they were already stealing money from the Medicare system. So don't kid yourself. And that was all hidden from the public. That was all sort of kept smoke under the radar. Mirrors. Yeah, it was all a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And so the fact is that- 30 seconds here. Yeah, they 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 were stealing money from the the old folks uh, who were collecting Medicare. Now they want to steal more money from old folks. Okay, hold your thought. Yes, sir. We'll come back. We'll pick this up, and we'll take your calls as well. Eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three zero nine six five. Trying to keep you up to date on this because you're going to hear a lot of bull as this continues. News is next. All right, we're back. So, do you think? Robert. Yes, sir. And I'll let you pick up because I took up the last six minutes. No, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well, taking a look at what they're saying here. I mean, I understand what this guy is trying to say, but I think that his logic is skewed by his ideology. The bottom line being that he believes that when people learn, although uh, I will say, you've heard me say this on the air, Mm -hmm. that I give the Democrats all the credit in the world of forcing middle-class people into government programs that they didn't support, but that now that they're getting a check from the government, they don't want to give it up. Of course. All right, they want to hold on to it. Of course. A good good example of this is to go back a few years when uh, Governor Huckabee was in office and our kids first went through. Uh Okay, now the governor could have... uh, uh, vetoed it, but it would have done no good because it had overriding Democrats in the House and the Senate. They would just blew it out of the way. So the bottom line is, when it came into being law, most people, and I can say, I think it was 80-something percent, took their kids off of their insurance, because it saves you money, off of their insurance and put them on government insurance. Because it meant more money in their pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for us, to, for me to say, I don't think mo- that Republicans wouldn't, under, and there had to be a lot of Republicans doing that too, um, that there's not a lot of people, if suddenly Affordable Care Act goes away, and they they see that 
they're not going to get a stipend from the federal government to buy their health care insurance that they won't say, oh, well, they're saying now I can have Medicare basically for free, that they won't say it. I, I, I think, I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I believe that they won't. But it has been the Democrats' idea all along to bankrupt the health care system of this country and force us into this type of a choice. Well, I think the Democrats and the leftists don't understand the basic math. And that is that you can't cover more people and spend less money. But see, that's not the, that, that's not the argument. Yeah. The argument is tell the people they have insurance. Right. Tell them we're taking care of them, even though what you're doing – look, Medicare from the moment it was signed – was doomed to fail. Wilbur Mills knew that. Now, I misspoke myself a few weeks ago when I said because Johnson could allow him to, would give him a chance to run for president. But Wilbur Mills, historically, if you read the entire story about Medicare, had, and he was the head of the House Ways and Means Committee, which moves, lets the money move, he was there forever. Yes, Arkansas's Wilbur Mills was that powerful, even though his drinking problem and, you know, uh, hanging out with strippers and stuff. The mm-hmm. bottom line is he did not allow Medicare to move forward for years. They were trying to do it, and he, he kept it bottled up in committee. Finally, he let it out, but when it was signed, even he admitted that it was not feasibly going to stay um, viable. It was it was going to implode sooner or later, and it is moving that way. And people get upset when you talk about changing it. The same thing with what there was a big story over the weekend. Did you know that Paul Ryan wanted to move the the retirement age to seventy before you get a hundred percent of your Social Security, folks? Something's got to got got to give. There's too many people taken and not enough people putting in. Just the way it is. Although you get enough of the millennials working, and maybe you can, because the millennials are literally a bigger uh, group of people than what the baby boomers are. But think about this. When they get ready for Social Security, hmm, real problems there. I'm just saying, you're right. you got to have it, but... For the Democrats, it's to be able to look at the voters and say, see, we gave you free health care. That's what it's all about. Right, right. And there's no such thing as free. That's the other. No. It's such silliness to, to say, oh, it's free. Even even those honest on the left say, well, it's not free. We're taking people's money and then we're shifting it around. So it's not free. Redistribution. Yeah, it's a redistribution. Now, I don't have a problem with recognizing that we have certain redistributive policies in this country, but I have a problem when you don't do the math. And Medicare for all means more people on Medicare without more people paying for Medicare. And the last 10 to 20 years, all we've been talking about relative to Medicare was that 
on its current path, it's unsustainable in terms of the cost. Mm-hmm. Well, how does the cost get better by spending the same and b- putting the same money in, but spending more money out? Well, that just doesn't work. It, well, how how does it work to put a whole lot less money in right. and take a whole lot more money out? Exactly. exactly. It doesn't so work. So it's nonsense. I mean, that's why Ocasio-Cortez is such a nut job. Well, it, hey, right after... I want everybody to have their own unicorn and we have a rainbow <laughs> in the sky every morning. Yes. I would love for there to be magical fairy full medical coverage for everyone. I think it's great that no one should ever have to pay for medical care ever again in their lives. But I don't believe in fairies. I don't believe in unicorns. And I don't think rainbows come every morning in front of your house. So that's the problem. It's not that it wouldn't be nice that we could cover everybody with medical care and medical insurance at no added cost, no less added somehow mysteriously a decreased cost. It's just that we can't. That it's not make-believe land. And as I said on your show so many times in the past, Dave. Here's the one thing I am sure of. I pay more than enough in taxes. Well, you say, well, you pay some of this money to the state and some to the feds and some to real estate and them to the car taxes and some to sales tax. It's um, all taxes. Yeah, it's all taxes. You remember that colonoscopy I mentioned earlier? It's all <laughs> taxes, baby. Yeah. It's all taxes. And so I can tell you one thing. I pay more than enough in taxes. So you want to figure a way to respend that money? Have at it. But don't ask for one more penny. Oh, gosh, I must be greedy. A friend of mine said to me, jokingly, because he's a a good uh, um, um, friend of mine. uh, He said, oh, well, you you know, you're greedy. He was being sarcastic. I said, fine. Do I need to say that? Guilty. Okay? Guilty. I'm sorry. When I'm paying over half of my income, and by the way, I work for the state government. Well, see, that's why I called you Gecko the other week. Yeah, exactly. exactly. From Wall Street, absolutely. Exactly. Greedy. Now, I don't say, as Gordon Gecko says, greed is good. My point is, I, you want to call me names? You want to call me greedy? You want to call me selfish? You can call me whatever you want. And I'm not going to sit here and start defending that I'm not selfish and all the things that I do. Same way, by the way, that Dave Ellswick, who says the same thing about taxes. He's selfish? No. He was telling me off the air how he's giving some money to charity. He, as you all know, because I announced, he had me over his house for Thanksgiving shortly after my mother died. But, but call him all sorts of names. Just stop taxing us anymore. That's a deal. You can call me whatever nasty name you want. Stop taxing me more. So now, go figure out how to cover everybody with your so-called Medicare for all without increasing taxes. And by the way, if you increase taxes, you may not even see that revenue because of what's known as the Laffer curve. And that is, at some point, not always, but at some point, when you overtax people, you actually wind up with less money. Because you know what people say? The heck with working. I'm not going to work more to pay more in taxes. So now I don't know exactly where that line is drawn, but I do know one thing. I, you, and virtually all Americans that pay both income taxes and FICA taxes pay too much in taxes. Oh, yeah. Not all, maybe, but virtually all. All right. We got 444. We got to get a break in. Yep. That'll be our final break for this hour, and then we'll be back and wrap it up. Don't forget, 
Conduit uh, News is up in Brenda and Joe up next hour, along with Robert Steinbach. And uh, we're going to look at the tax force. And let's see what they're saying they're going to cut. And let's see what else they're adding. See that, you know, are they taking X amount of money out of one pocket and putting it in the other? Are they taking money out of, you know, putting money in in your front pockets and taking all the rest of the money and taking a bunch of money out of your back pockets? We'll talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Phone number at Sunny's Auto Salvage. Write it down somewhere, 982-7451. 982-7451. If you're like me, you drive your car and you drive it basically into the ground. By that, I don't mean you mistreat it. You take good care of it. You just put miles on it. I'm coming up on 300,000 miles on my car. It's only eight years old. And, uh, you know, I want to put in probably another uh, at least 200,000 miles on it. But so, you know, I'm going to put and save money as much as I can uh, when I have to fix my car. So if I got to put a new transmission in, which I did just a few months ago, then I'm going to go to Sunny's Auto Salvage and get a transmission from a well-maintained total loss vehicle. Doesn't mean it was driven into the ground. You know, it doesn't mean the transmission had 250,000 miles on it. It means it has about 20,000 miles on it. And then it had a wreck. And then it was totaled. And the transmission still works fine. So they pull it out of that car and they put it in my car. And then they give me a three-year parts and labor unlimited mileage warranty on it. And I'm in good I'm in good shape as far as I'm concerned for three years. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to get another at least 150,000 miles on that car. And in good stead. And it's going to run smoothly. It's going to be great. And it saved me $2,700 for that transmission and the labor to have it put in. Call Sonny's Auto Salvage. Use them. You know, Go green because it saves you green. That's what I do. 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right, back with uh, Robert Steinbach. He is a legal law professor over at Bowen School of Law, UALR. His opinion, his opinion, his opinion alone, not necessarily uh, those of the school or the university. And uh, it's been interesting sitting here and talking about this thing because I really could see, as as much as I like to say, that our elected officials on the Republican side will stand firm against going deeper into some form of uh, of um, government-backed health care. I can't say that with with real serious feeling just because of some of the things I've seen him do in the past now. Although I do believe that a lot of the the uh, Republicans who have been weak-kneed are, uh, are, are abandoning ship now because they know people are looking for Republicans who actually believe in the Republican Party with their vote as well as just with their lips. And uh, Lamar, I guess you heard Lamar Alexander of Tennessee has said that he will not seek re-election in 2020. Well, there are a lot of these, as we've seen already over the last uh, couple of years, these 
middle of the road, shall we say, Republicans uh, who won't win a primary. And so they won't run for re-election. Of course, that was Jeff Flake's problem. Yeah, he right? was going to lose big. Oh, he's going to lose huge. And by the way, part of the reason Jeff Flake, he goes, well, I was going to lose because I'm a moderate and I'm yeah. willing to work with others. Uh, that could be part of it. I won't discount that entirely. The other part, by the way, that I think affects people like Jeff Flake is this unending moralism. Now, here's the interesting thing. The conservatives used to be the moralizers, and then we got the moralizer in chief. Chief. Uh-huh. Remember who that was? Obama. He would come in and well, here's why you're wrong. Here's why what you think is wrong. Here's why what you do is wrong. Here's why you're just wrong. And he would go around, tell us how how we're all not thinking right. right. And that he knows how to think right. And he'll straighten us out even after President Trump got elected. He said, well, maybe I... Obama, that is, was just elected too soon, meaning he couldn't realize, he couldn't get his arms around the fact that the Trump election was in part a rejection of the overly moralizing, um, self-congratulatory Obama administration. Right. And so he said, well, it's not that. It's just that Americans still are a bunch of racists, ists, and bigots, and isms, and all of the nastiness that Hillary had the audacity to actually say out loud, um, uh, calling everybody uh, deplorable and then asking for their vote, because that makes a lot of sense, by the way. Uh, and so so he says, oh, it's, it's that they still haven't been enlightened enough. And I'm the grand enlightener, That's Obama. Right. He is. The Grand Enlightener. Of course he is. Didn't you see that halo of light following behind his head every time he spoke? Yeah. He's divine. Yeah. He's absolutely divine. And I, I don't really, mean I thought the that drag was, queen I thought divine, that, by the way. No, I thought, <laughs> that was his, I thought that was Michelle. Yeah. Well, she's uh, even know, more divine because she was, she was walking, only proud of this she country. Had, she was holding the light up. That's right. Well, she was only proud of this country after he got elected. Yeah, that's There's nothing true. to be proud of before. No. Right? Absolutely Because, by not. the way, both... She and her husband, until he was elected president, they didn't have any benefits from this country. No. Right? All, all they did was suffer. Yep. That's right. That's yep. right. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's not my view of America. I've said it time and time again on your show, Dave, to your audience. I said, there are racists in this country. There is racism in mm-hmm. this country. Absolutely. By the way, both of those will exist for time immemorial. Yeah, always. Right? But what is not the case is it's not a racist country. And if you come into the enterprise believing it's a racist country, then we have a fundamental disagreement. And I don't want you as my president, as my senator. And you always find it. That's right. I mean, if you're looking for it, no matter how big or small, you can find it. To be clear. They find it when it doesn't exist well, yeah, as well they, as when yeah, it exists. Absolutely. So sure it exists. Of course it exists. Absolutely it exists. Yeah, By I the mean, way, anti-Semitism exists in this country. And my father told me time and time again, this is the greatest country in the world. He lived under Nazi occupation. He lived under Soviet control. He then fought in the War of Independence in Israel and then emigrated to this country. And he said, this country is the greatest and freest country in the world. So did he think there was anti-Semitism? Of course he did. 
But did he think it was an anti-Semitic country? Of course not. Nonsense. So this just constant lamentation and self-flagellation from the left of how terrible we all are and we've got to constantly remind ourselves of our deplorable nature by electing a woman who tells us we're deplorable doesn't go to critical states to get elected and then asks for our vote and then says well it must have been the Russians that elected Trump no way I lost that election Oh, my gosh. It's such pathetic behavior. Well, how about how about when you look at uh, President Obama and now that he's back out on the campaign trail, basically, that you've got him now saying that, you know, this this uh, thing about America producing more oil than any place else in the world that happened because of me. He right. says, "That's right. That's right. Because Emo, of me, I'm the, the one who started. Yeah, right? I'm the one who started yeah. all yeah. this. Exactly. I got it all going. Holy cow! Yeah, this it, man rewrites history well, every day that he speaks. He spent all of his first term blaming George W. Bush for any problems uh, that occurred during uh, the Obama first term. Right, and now that he's out." He takes credit for all of the events that occur after, after he's out. That, How about that are good, yeah. Right, that are good. How about some discussion of what you did in office while you're... Well, let's see. We had the plane load of billions of dollars of cash flown over to Iranian terrorists to, to buy them off. Really? Yeah. Really? That's what you want to do with billions of dollars? Give it to Iranian terrorists? Well, of course. he says, we would have lost in the, in the world court uh, in this litigation. Uh, maybe. And here's an alternative. Maybe not. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But I ain't giving that money over voluntarily. For well, some that's fl- the key. Right? For some flim-flam arrangement that John Kerry, who couldn't negotiate his way out of a paper bag. A wet paper bag. A wet paper bag. <laughs> he couldn't negotiate his way into a good haircut. Have you seen that guy? Yeah. He looks Please. terrible. All right. We've got uh, Conduit News up next, but we have news before that. So stick around. we got more. On the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Monday. And, of course, Brendan Joe will join us from Conduit News. Conduit, uh, conduitnews.com is their website. Robert Steinbach, Dave Ellswick, here in the studio. And a uh, new article from Conduit Action. Conduit for Action. This is Conduit News, of course. Task Tax Task Force. So easy to say, not. <laughs> tax task force ends. Net tax increase in first fiscal year. The uh, tax reform and relief task force is over. After 18 months of meetings and in-depth research on Arkansas taxes, the task force concluded its final meeting on uh, last Wednesday. The task force approved out their final recommendations of draft legislation and their fiscal impacts. Uh, Conduit News has crunched the numbers, and the results may not be what many expected. While some larger cuts may be implemented down the road if certain conditions are met, the first fiscal year impact is not looking good for taxpayers. And with that said, let's bring Brenda and Joe up. So for the first fiscal year in 2020, the draft 
legislation fiscal impacts. And again, this is a draft legislation. It's not been passed. The, they haven't met yet. That will happen in, starting in January. Uh, and proposals result in a net increase of taxes to the government. And then you guys have the breakdown. So uh, were you kind of surprised at this, uh, Joe and Brenda, when, when you first did it? No. No, you know, to put it bluntly, no, we're not surprised. Okay. We've seen this uh, whole scenario before, and that was Medicaid expansion and the task force. So we knew about what we could expect. First year, you have a net increase in revenue of uh, over 49, almost $50 million, more money that the state will be getting from taxpayers. Yeah, well, so, we, you know, you can say, well, we have a tax cut, forty-seven million, but if the net increase is nearly fifty million, that's what taxpayers care about. And I think we've said this before: uh, you got to listen carefully, because what they will say if you listen is there's an income tax cut, which is absolutely true. That's what's being uh, sold as the entire thing, but. It is an entire set of tax recommendations that, if implemented, will result in Arkansas taxpayers giving more of their money to the government, causing them to have more revenue to spend than they have right now. Than they have right now. And, and you know what happens then. And this is not due to inflation or increase in population. These are just straight numbers. They're not dynamic scoring. Uh, is, is what I understand that the FNA uh, gave as the impact statements. And, um, you know, that's assuming we're only getting the limited uh, number, you know, from the Internet sales tax. I mean, that can be a lot higher, I assume, that the, that the state will re- re- receive. But um, the reason we think it's similar to um, the private option and the way that was sold, it was sold as a conservative spin on a progressive program. And this is a conservative spin on tax increases. Okay. I mean, I I look at this, and if everything that is on here would pass, and I mean, this is all, these are all the proposals. They're going to go before the entire Senate, and then they're going to go before the entire House, and they're going to vote on them, and then they'll bring them together and put them together again, and then they'll vote on them again. And, uh, you know, do you believe all of these are going to end up being made into law, uh, Brenda and Joe, or do you think that there's some things in here that they're going to have some real problems in getting passed? Well, two things on that. One is it depends on how they arrange the bills. But what they like to do, and that's been their pattern, is they'll put something that sounds good and something that is bad in the same bill so that they can hold that over whoever's head to, well, you voted no on a tax reduction when when they really voted no for the tax increase that was with the tax deduction. So what you're saying uh, is so they, that's they, kind of they, the, they, the way they do that. You, they would take... And, uh, secondly, uh, we, have, we have been asked by multiple legislators for an analysis on, on the impacts of these things and, and to simplify it for them to make their case or to make our case or make the taxpayer's case. And, 
you know, it is very hard work to do that because this is a very complex issue. We, we talked a lot today uh, in our, our weekly meeting about it is so difficult to get attention of somebody long enough to understand the depth of what is going on, so it has to be boiled down to something simple. Uh, the, the, the government growers have got this down to an art, and I mean, they, they've got it dialed in of how to make something really simple that's bad, but it sounds good. You know, we don't have that skill yet, so it's, it's a lot of work. And to me, it, you know, part of this, and it gets really into the weeds here, but everything Trump has done in a positive way for our taxes at the federal level, some of these provisions are going to undermine that. So instead of us getting all the benefits of what Trump did, the state's going to prevent us from getting some of those. And that's a choice, and it's a choice that the task force evidently made, as well as the state of Connecticut, uh, New York, people like that. They, they are going this direction, and we're following them, the most progressive states. Okay, so what, what you're saying is, for instance, I want to go back to your first thing, they take something good and attach something bad to it. It'd be like the governor's two, four, five point nine income tax plan, phase it in in three years, which would mean that uh, Arkansas taxpayers would get forty seven million or forty seven billion four hundred million dollars back, or is that forty seven million four hundred thousand? Uh, forty seven million four hundred thousand. Okay, they would take that and maybe uh, take in a uh, tie it to. Uh, what do we got here? How about conformity with federal law tax increases? That's $28 million or whatever. Where you're faced with voting, if you want to get the governor's income tax cut passed, you got to vote in this conformity with federal law tax increases, which is taking out $28 million in taxpayers' pockets. Is that how you're referring to this? Uh, yes. It, it would be, you know, there are a lot of different... Uh, items listed that they're recommending that would not just re- uh, produce net tax cuts, right? you know, revenue neutral tax cuts, but they're recommending additional that would actually produce a tax uh, increase. Yeah, the, like now, the, remember, this does not include the gas tax or the diesel tax. Yeah, this is like the like internet sales tax. Issuance. You know, to improve our roads, we're looking at another. What was that? Two hundred million or four hundred million total a year? Which, yeah, that comes later. But you know, as an attorney, and, and Joe had a very good point. You know, I'm I'm inclined to get into the weeds, and no one can understand what I'm talking about. But you see in that article, pass through entity tax with corresponding credit. I mean, that is going to. If that were to pass, it would it would impose a tax in in. Um, with the reasoning that, well, that will cause Arkansas to not lose the tax deduction because the, the bad feds have now taken away our deduction for state income taxes, which is, and I said this at the beginning, I said it last year as soon as the tax law was passed, that Arkansas is behind uh, the eight ball because we have such high taxes and we can no longer deduct them. So not only are we paying tax at nearly 7% to the state, we're not deducting them, which is going to add another 3%, which is basically a 10% tax rate for the state. Well, so they're going to try to pass a tax 
a 6.9% tax on everyone who has an S corporation or an LLC at the at the pass through level. So these entities that have never paid taxes before are now going to pay tax at 6.9%. And then the state is going to take out of that another 7% of that, keep it. So that's a tax increase, and it shows zero. Um, and, and then you're going to have a pass-through, and they'll get credit. They'll get it back on their personal tax return. So the, the pass-through part will be you pay taxes at one level, and we're, we're going to take the position the IRS is going to let that stand as a deduction. Uh, Connecticut, who's number 47th worst tax state, Arkansas being number 46th, has already passed this law, and they're they're touting it as the answer to the salt tax. Well, when we start following Connecticut, as Joe said, when Connecticut, New York, and California are our tax hero states, and we start doing what they say, we have to admit Arkansas is not concerned about creating jobs or having good tax reform or tax cuts. They are concerned about how to keep more of our money. Now, Dave, if, if you and Robert understood any of that that she just said, that you're way ahead of the curve. Yeah, I understood a lot of what she just said. I understand also that uh, a capital gains tax increase is the wrong thing to do. That's that's not. I mean, you got the president of the United States trying to lower capital gains. You got the state trying to raise capital gains. That makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things on this that that make no sense to me. I mean. Look, I know that they're they're out to get money off the internet sales tax. I mean, uh, they wanted to pass that two years ago and and just barely didn't get it passed because had a few people in the house stand up and fight against it. So they're they're already you know rubbing their hands together and smiling about the additional thirty two million about thirty two and a half million dollars a year they're going to get there. Then when you talk about the uh, the highway tax, you know, I always get a kick out. Of they say, let the people decide. Well, the people, you know, I don't, I think, would decide if they decided to put their own, you know, uh, initiated act up or something like that. Maybe I could say that the people are wanting to tax themselves. But when it's the, it's the, the politicians putting forth an initiated act that would raise gas taxes or raise something to be used towards roads i don't see that as the people putting it forth it's uh it's whoever can turn out the most people at the polls is what i see well it, it, it occurs to me that they are good at owning the message you know the newspapers aren't complaining too much they they're gonna they're calling it a tax cut and it's gonna be bad because it's a tax cut bad for the poor well they know good and well it's not a tax cut but they like most of what they're doing uh, but they they do own the message and they're good at it like I said before but I would I would ask everybody that listens to the the radio station that is familiar with conduits work at all to go back and look at the private option Arkansas works and everything we said about that every single thing has been true and has come to pass and this is going to be no different well uh, what they're what this article that we mentioned today that was put out last week tax task force ends net tax increase in the first fiscal year easy for you to say need to read it but you know how we talk about quit growing government 
I mean, when you look at all of these bills, proposed bills, and look at the numbers that the Department of Finance has said it's going to cost to run that program, to run that tax increase on all of these, or to reduce the taxes here, it, it is amazing because all of that is expanding government. Yeah, my, I guess, you know, this is pretty doggone, I think, easy to understand. I sit and look at this. You look at the bottom, and uh, if you take the red, which is the additional taxes they're going to get, and you subtract the green, which is the taxes we get, you end up with a, a total government revenue increase of $49 million, $300,000. Seems to me we're being taxed more, not less. Yeah, you might get an income tax, uh, you know, increase. You might get some money extra back when you file your state income tax. But in the other stuff, they're getting their they're getting their money and they're putting it in the coffers. And in the in the grand scheme of things, you've lost money by the time you get to the end. Well, in, in my mind. All they have to do is, you know, find some technical phrase that they can uh, have an issue with, and then they point a conduit and say they're liars. They don't know what they're talking about. And that's that's how they, they, they operate on a political level. To me, I would rather them just say, we're Republicans, we believe in smaller government, but we're not going to give it to you because we can't. And here's why. Do that, and maybe we can all get together. But to try to pull the wool over time and time again is unconscionable. Call it a tax cut. The two, the two things other than the bottom line that bothered me the most, I've already mentioned the pass-through entity tax, but also uh, very hard to understand governor's conformity proposal. The governor's conformity proposal takes Trump's new tax bill and it... it it's, it's recommending applying everything bad in that Trump bill and removing everything good. So in our mind, Arkansas undermines Trump's tax cuts is really the name of this article. It is saying if you get a deduction in the state of Arkansas before, we had deductions on our 1040, you know, your Schedule C, I mean your Schedule A, uh, and, our, and the feds say, well, we're not going to let, let you have that deduction anymore because we've increased the, the exemption or whatever. Arkansas runs behind and says, oh, we're not going to let you have that deduction either. But, but the feds say, hey, small business, you get a 20% deduction. You just take 20% off of your gross revenue for, the most, for most small businesses or, or a lot of them. And Arkansas says, no, we're not going to let you have that. Mm-mm, can't get that deduction. But we are going to charge tax at the first level, the money that hits the bank in your partnership. We're going to take the money from there. And guess what? You get to, we get to increase a, a whole new department that will have to process those. And if you don't like the way Arkansas responds to your um, filing your tax return now, don't worry. You're going to hate it twice as much come next year. All right. Hold on. Hey, Joe, 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 Joe. I need you to hold yeah. your thought. Hold your thought. We've got to get a break because it's 24 after. Got to get our first break in. Then when we come back, we'll pick up with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Are you or someone you know suffering from eczema? Well, it's time to stop covering up. A new clinical trial in central Arkansas might help reduce or relieve your eczema and its symptoms. Qualified participants will receive free study-related care and compensation for time and travel. 
Don't let eczema keep you hiding. Call them at 501-954-7822 or visit them online at arcarkansas.com to apply. That's 501-954-7822 or at arcarkansas.com. Help could be just a click or a call away, so you should apply today. Okay, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Conduit News is with us. Joe, you were making a point, and I had to pull you up short. We've got about a minute and a half left before the news. I'll let you go and explain what you wanted to say. Well, uh, you know, a lot of the problem in, in communicating with people and those listening to to you know create their counter-arguments to Conduit right now is how to simplify it so that people can really understand it, it would be like if the Trump administration had this same list we have, you know, different words, but they had green and red numbers on it, and they, that's what they passed. Well, Arkansas is going to allow all the red stuff to flow right on through to Arkansas, but they're going to prevent the green stuff. And that's what they're doing in some of these areas that Brenda had spoke about, and, and she can go to great depth on them. Uh, for anybody who cares to listen for as long as it takes to understand it and get to the bottom of it, legislators probably won't, most of them won't go that deep. All right. That kind of explains what they're doing with all these recommendations, and we'll see how they fit them into bills and, and pass them. Uh, additionally, we talked about tax more tax cuts coming three years from now, but that's when the hospitals are going to have to close and the roads and bridges are crumbling, then they're somehow they'll just never be able to get to those other tax cuts. All right, Joe, hold where you're at. We're going to come back and talk further. That's why I don't like anybody to tell me that, hey, it's revenue neutral. I don't like that term, never have, and I'll explain that in detail when we come back. But first, we've got the news. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, last half hour of a Monday show, Conduit News with us. Conduitnews.com is the website to go to to check out their stories. they got a few other stories on their uh, site today. I'm going to touch base on those as we we ramp down through this show. Robert Steinbach is here at the other end of the phone with us today is Joe and uh, Brenda from Conduit News. And, and, you know, it all comes down to, Joe, what I've always said. Whenever they say revenue neutral, I've hated that term ever since uh, Bush Jr. was in uh, the White House because all that means is somewhere that they're cutting you, they're going to let heal, but then they're going to open up two other wounds in the process. It means you're going to feel pain in other places, and that's what your breakdown shows. You know, I, I felt the pain already on one of them, and that is the the thing dealing with the Internet. You know, they haven't made it legal yet to, to charge uh, state sales tax on the Internet, but Amazon's already doing it. Last night I bought a, a present. It was seven books. It was a Harry Potter series, and... Uh, by the time it was all said and done, I thought it was a pretty good price until suddenly about five extra dollars appeared on the bill and it was going to the state of Arkansas. Well, now, you would, you would not want to shirk your responsibility. You would have paid that separately, would you have not? No, I would not have. I'm, no, be, well, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be really honest. Uh, listen, uh, 
you know, I'm a member of the Republican Party. I believe in what that platform stands for and what politicians claim is also what I want to accomplish, but they claim it as they're being elected to office. When I look at something like this, the military tax cut bill, the Medicaid expansion, you know, it, it, it makes me ashamed sometimes because if you if you look at holistically at what they would accomplish if implementing most of this, it would be exactly what the liberals and Democrats say about Republicans is it helps corporations, big corporations, not business, not your you know local mom and pop store that they complain some about welfare. so much. Uh, it doesn't help any of them. It helps, you know, the Walmarts, the Tysons, the, the big ones, and it shifts more of that tax burden onto the working people. And and that is exactly the knock on the Republicans, and they, they're they going out of their way to make that true. And I personally am trying to fight that within the Republican Party of their leadership doing this to us. It was, the you know, the Republicans that then went and adopted uh, private option. I mean, that was a term so that a very progressive liberal policy taking over our health care could be considered conservative, private option. It's business. It's private. And then our governor changes it to Arkansas Works. Well, does it mean Arkansas, the system is working, which we know it is not, or does it mean the people getting the benefits are working, or does it mean others get to go out and work more to pay for it? You know, I mean, I guess it could mean any of those. But the fact that we are trying to change the language so that it will be considered conservative, and now we're calling tax increases income tax cuts, I mean, it's an embarrassing situation to be in when you read. And and then I have talked to um, professionals, CPAs, who can look at this, and they're not involved in the day-to-day of small business owners like like we are as tax lawyers, you know, they might be able to see this, well, this is a good thing. We're going to get to get our deduction with the feds. Why not the state of Arkansas allow small business to have a 20% deduction like the federal tax law changes because they pass those in order to grow jobs and grow the economy? Why can Arkansas not consider growing economy by letting free people have a, a, a productive business rather than thinking more government money is the only way we can grow economy. Then we can give that extra revenue to China to compete with us. Good idea. I mean, it what is... What the hell's going on? It is embarrassing. People need to go online and read in uh, Google, pass-through, tax cut, and Connecticut, and read some of the articles. It is, it is shameful because they are saying, well, why should we let... Um, taxpayers keep all of that windfall that the federal government's going to give them by that tax decrease. The states need the money. Let the states take more. And you just like Connecticut's bill, it does not add the additional excise tax that Arkansas came up with. But the, a lot of the articles say, you need, to, you need to keep some of that money. So Arkansas is going to keep 7% of the 6.9% taxed on the pass-through. And I mean, you know, that kind of thing, it just reeks with how can we cost the people of Arkansas more taxes and and prevent their business from operating more efficiently? Brenda, you need to slow down. J.R. Davis cannot write that fast. 
All right, I need to jump in now and and ask you all a question. I want to move away from the tax issue because we've been talking about it here for about 40 minutes and to this. Over over this weekend, it's become evident that Obamacare is in precarious straits. It's been that way since they got rid of the mandate, but now we've got a federal judge that says it cannot stand. And uh, it's going to go up to the eighth, the fifth circuit, fifth circuit, New Orleans, which is down in New Orleans. If it is upheld, it end up in the uh, Supreme Court. Let's uh, let's assume, and that's a big thing to do because we all know what assume means. And uh, when you're talking about politicians, you you know you always think you know what's going to happen, and then they they do something totally different. Bottom line is this. What does it mean for the state of Arkansas if Obamacare is suddenly unconstitutional? Well, let me say first that our governor has said that the the private option, Arkansas Works, is not Obamacare. So, in theory, it shouldn't affect it at all, should it? Uh, The initial law, as maybe Robert remembers, Said that if the government cuts back any on their promises, it's done. You know, it's terminated. Arkansas government. Arkansas government. Arkansas's bill that first passed the private option. Now we know that was amended by um, Hendren's bill, SB 96. I don't remember all those triggers that were being left in it, but you know. But but here's the here's the bottom line: is I believe that the governments at all levels have got themselves in a position of looking at these things as we have got to do whatever it takes because if this falls, it's too big to fail and it's going to cause so much trouble and so many problems and such a catastrophe politically, economically, in every other way that they cannot allow it to fail and they'll come up with some additionally... Right. That's a great point. Hospitals are closing or will have to close. That was that was what was said in 2012, 2013. That was their argument then. Now they might really have to. Okay. Now we've, we've thrown $2 billion a year at them for a long time and the insurance companies. And now they've built on. I, I defy anybody to show me an area of this state that has not had a hospital expand. Now, they were already at a 55, roughly, percent occupancy rate, and that's going down because they're building, they're overbuilding. So we will come upon a situation within the next few years that there are hospitals that are going to have, they're going to threaten that they're going to have to close. Well, it's not because they've got less money. If they've overbuilt, just like if, if you built you know, 500 radio towers all over the state and you had one advertiser and then that advertiser quit you, now you can't pay for all those towers, then you go begging because you're going to have to shut down all those towers because you, know, you don't have the revenue to support them. I mean, it's, just, it, it's such a transparent argument, but people buy it because it scares them. All right, you so, remember the assisted living, you know, uh, facilities. Dan Douglas is championing up here in our area, saying they're going to have to close because they're reducing the the daily rates that they'll receive from the government. They built those based on a certain 
daily rate. Now those are being cut. They're going to have to, quote, close. So what do you think, Dave? You think that we're right about the argument of the hospitals closing? You know, so they have to be looking at nothing but additional taxes. Well, that, that would be what you look at. I mean, I heard a story today. We talked about it earlier that, uh, and I've talked about it before, that the reason they went to Obamacare, Harry Reid told us that the reason they did it is they didn't have the votes to get single-payer health care, and this was just to lead us to single-payer health care. So now it's going to implode. It's going to fall to, apart. Are enough middle-class people on it? The question is, will they want to go and not even fight against going to single-payer health care? Because that's what they're going to be, that's the line they're going to be fed next, Medicare for all. Well, and they're going to, that's going to be sold as the only real solution now. And, and another thing on this that, that people don't want to really talk about and haven't heard explained simply you know, your premium has gone up for health insurance, I expect. Oh, yeah. And has everybody else's has. Well, how do you pay for somebody's insurance premium that doesn't have insurance unless you get that money from those who are paying insurance premiums? You just double theirs, and you can now afford to put twice as many people on. No, absolutely I mean, not. Uh, no, 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 no. Joe, you go to the money trees back there behind the Capitol and pick enough money to pay for it. Yeah, now you're getting into the Fed policy, and that's a whole other (laughs) subject, which is very difficult for most people to get. uh, Because, you know, people just don't spend enough time, and they don't have the time to put all these pieces together and sit back and think about what they truly mean. And and that's what the politicians count on. Well, I'm not going to disagree, but let me go back to my original question because I'd like to know what you think. If if Medicare or yeah, Medicare, the Affordable Care Act uh, goes away, if Obamacare goes away, where does that leave the state? Seems like to me it leaves them high and dry, does it not? I don't think it does. It could be the salvation for the state of Arkansas. <laughs> you know, I don't think it does, and here's why. Yes, they will try to say we don't know. We we ran out of ideas. Single payer is the the only viable solution. I mean, they they will certainly. You're right. They will try to sell that. My my theory and a free market, conservative, limited government position might be something along these lines. If you take the money that we're paying for Medicaid and uh, these other state programs and don't give it to the federal government don't send it make it a state issue not a federal issue the state therefore then can take that money and divide it up through some formula of population or, or what have you to all the counties now we put that closer to the people they know their county people uh, their elected officials uh, you create a hospital or a health care system in that county in Arkansas and whatever you can afford to do with this money we're giving you, that's the amount of health care that people get for free. If you don't like how they're using it, then vote different county people in. The people can do that. They can get their heads around that. And that's similar to what it used to be. Now, the rest of us that buy private insurance, we compete on a national level 
across state lines, and we buy insurance policies if we can afford them, and we pay for the services we need. If you have no money, you go to the county hospital, which may be able to be bought cheap soon from the overbuilding of the private hospitals, and that's the amount of dollars that the citizens of that county have designated for free health care in whatever level that is. And you handle it at close to the people. It's work, it works good like that before. That's what I would suggest we go back to rather than moving it higher in a single-payer system. That, to me, is the only realistic solution. All right. Got to take a break, get, a, get our final break in before we finish up today. When we come back, the AG says that there's coal plants that should not be allowed to shut down. Let's talk a little bit about that before we get back. So Dave Ellswick Show, don't forget about Aero Plumbing, 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you are not 100% satisfied with the service they've provided you, they'll refund all of your money. If they make a mess in your home and they don't clean it up, they'll send out a professional to clean your entire home. And if you have a part that's installed and it fails, they will replace it absolutely free. That's the promises of Aero Plumbing, aeroplumbing.net, or just Google Aero Plumbing. All right, I'm going, we're, we're out of time. So with that, Joe and Brenda, I'm going to wish you a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, as we'll not have uh, shows on those days. I appreciate you guys very, very much. You bring a lot of information that the people need to hear. This one especially, that even though they say they're giving everybody a tax you know, savings on their income tax, in the long run, they're still taxing us more, and people do have to understand that, and we've got to do what we can to defeat it. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Joe, Merry Christmas to you as well, or do you just want to say bah humbug? (laughs) I want to say Merry Christmas to Robert, and please let him speak. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was but he was here we just let you speak today hey guys thanks so much we will talk to you in the new year and pick it up again on the other side as we uh, get to the end here for today uh want to remind you conduitnews.com it's conduitnews.com and the story i was referring to let me go to that and dealing with the ag and something i like what she's doing This on Conduit News as well. After energy and uh, environmental groups agreed to shut down two of the oldest coal plants in Arkansas, AG Leslie Rutledge has asked the Arkansas Public Service Commission to review the agreement and the court to intervene. The agreement is between Energy Arkansas, the Sierra Club, and the National Parks Conservation Association, plants located in Redfield and Batesville, Rutledge has made the argument that the shutdown could affect rates and service for Arkansans. In addition to reaching out to the Arkansas Public Service Commission, Rutledge has filed a petition with the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Arkansas to intervene, arguing that the agreement should be reviewed first. So we get more on that. We'll take a look at it at at that time. Now, Robert is going to be filling in for me a couple of times here before the end of the year. On the 26th, day after Christmas, he'll be sitting in my chair 
doing the show and again on the what 31st, 31st. on right. new year's eve you'll right. be filling in for me as well i appreciate you doing that it's my pleasure he's putting some great shows together uh for those times so uh you know when holidays come up i'm here and i'm not there all right <laughs> that, that's just the way it works at times russ is going when are you going to be gone after uh, christmas on yeah friday okay. is my last day until okay. the second until the second wow, wow man have a great time i'll be telling Merry you that Christmas. again on friday i'll tell you that again absolutely you need to rest definitely for that we're out of time robert it's been a good day today Thank you. We had a God good bless. there's some good information about uh the, you know state taxes and the way yeah. that they're oh, yeah. they're kind of molding things to make it sound like you're getting a tax break because you know the governor in in um, you know listening to him he's always talking about you got a tax cut coming however they're not talking about this other stuff that they're raising yeah yeah we've got to look at all, all the aspects of good and the bad give credit where the where credit is due That's and correct. There, is, there is opportunity for credit yes. to be due because the governor has done some very good things on taxes uh, as well uh, or in particular uh, but we also have to highlight those aspects where there are sort of these hidden taxes here's the key we spend too much in the state of Arkansas. Well, we spend too much in America. It's very easy for government to spend money, and it's very hard for government to stop spending money. And I understand that. And that's why we, as citizens, need to be vigilant. We need to vote with our pocketbooks. And we need to be involved with the Freedom of Information Act to find out what's going on. All right. We'll be back again tomorrow at 2. I'll see you then. Final uh, power panel for 2018. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.